0: It's the Low Score Podcast. And now, here's Bobby and Jay.
1: Hey Jay.
2: Hey Bobby, what's happening?
1: Uh, I'm here recording a podcast. What are you up to this morning? Are we recording
2: this podcast? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this was um, not just one of those pretend episodes. Give me one. Okay, yeah, now pers- now I am also recording a podcast. Great. Yay. Good.
1: Um, when I was a kid, so I've, I've always been interested in radio and I like to talk radio. And I definitely did that thing where you're a kid and you get a tape player and a microphone and then you just pretend like you're recording. Oh, Yeah. You're on like a little radio show in the morning. And one time we found some of those old recordings of just like me doing doing radio show music introductions when I was, you know, like twelve or something. Really embarrassing.
2: I have not found them. But when we um when I was in high school, we made a bunch of tapes on an old talkboy I had. We would yeah, we would take boy. We would take the talk boy to uh like different band trips or just like any like all day event or something and anybody Mm -hmm. would just pick it up and like talk for a little bit and of course it's the talk boy so you could record on on half speed and it would play back on double speed and do all this dumb stuff and i think those would be pretty embarrassing they they weren't they weren't like radio shows but they there was a lot of bad shtick happening
1: so we we went a step beyond that because i had and always had access to video cameras so oh. we used to just film ourselves just doing dumb shit. So we have visual evidence of us being idiots in addition to that. That's great. To, uh,
2: That's great. Uh, in addition to all that. What was, so the Talkboy was a tape recorder, right? Yeah, you, you may remember it from Home Alone 2. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but it was just a cassette uh, recorder that was kind of funky looking. It had a like a handle on it, like on the back, so you could like slip it. Um, um, like
1: wear oh, it like a oh. like, glove or like Pal- palm it.
2: Exactly. You could, like, wear it like a glove. Um, They still make those
1: for iPads, by the
2: way. Really? Yeah. Like, in service industries
1: where people need an iPad to carry around, they make a little glove attachment on the back.
2: Oh, I've seen that, like, at, um, uh, like, a brewery or something, if they're having, like, an outdoor thing. Like, you can go buy beers and they'll just swipe your card. All right. Um, But it it had – it was oddly shaped – I mean, it played cassettes – um, it would also record cassettes and it had like a retractable microphone that actually sounded okay. So you would pull it out and like a bunch of people could talk in on it. But from the movie, the whole shtick with the talk boy was you could play things back at half speed. Huh? And it would sound funny if you're a kid. And um, and of course, like engineering masters, we were mm-hmm. quickly realized that if you switched on the half speed, cause all it would do is rotate the tape half as fast. If you switch on while you're recording, and then rewound it, played it back at regular speed. You are now playing back double speed, <laughs> boy. So you could do like choice chipmunk bits, or <laughs> uh, or choice chipmunk bits, or look, your options were pretty limited. Leprechauns, but, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty advanced on the fly audio editing. Yeah, uh, but yeah, look it up. It still looks pretty rad. They should they should make. Talk. I wonder if they still make talk. I bet they what? still make talk boys. Was it the th- was
1: it the one that had the commercial where, like, the kid uses – it was either that – no, it was the Talkboy pen, I think. Because they made, like, a little recor- retorter pen, like, digital recorder pen. Is that true? Look that up that, for me.
2: Okay. I know what you're talking about. I don't know if that was Talkboy branded or not. Okay. But they definitely made that here. I'm going to send you a link to the Talkboy. Okay. I'm going to say Talkboy Let's pen. Talk- I feel like – Talkboy FX
1: where? Let me. Uh, what happened?
2: Yeah, dude, you're totally. You're totally right.
1: Because I remember, like in the commercial, the kid uses it to prank their dog or something stupid right. like that. They're like I
2: definitely remember commercials for this guy.
1: Like, come over here, Rover, and you like put it in the other room. The dog's like, "Well, there's no one here, but how's I hear a voice?"
2: So, so on the features for the Talkboy FX, which I did not have, uh, six sound effects, voice changer, special effects, and then one feature: real pen.
1: <laughs> like, who's using this in class i
2: don't know it's so subtle it's like four times the width of a I regular pen it's like
1: one of those novelty things you win at Chuck E. cheese yeah the giant pencil that was always good for oh, a laugh the giant right. pencil
2: oh yeah yeah like, uh-huh. oh, oh, look at this I, a, I made a mistake
1: i gotta do a oh, work race. worksheet
2: <laughs> or uh do you ever have one of those pens, uh, or maybe there were pencils, that had, like, six different colors in yeah. the same string, so, like, it would change color as you drew? Oh, no, no. I didn't Not have the, that like, one. four clicky pen, which are also awesome. Yeah. The, like, black, red, blue, green. Now, that that sounds... don't seem, like, professional, though. That seemed like a legit thing that yeah, you would use. Like, oh,
1: I'm so important that I need to use four different colors. Yeah. I actually could have used something like that. You know the, the highlighters that have, like, the triangle-shaped highlighter that has one... Each corner has a different color.
2: Yeah, that you would get for free somewhere. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I I got to use use one of those recently as I was editing my dissertation, and I had Damn. three pens in my hand. I was like, oh, "There's got to be a better way." <laughs> oh, man. Well, speaking of blasts from the past, that mug you have there.
2: Yeah, it's pretty rad. It's uh, some uh, my parents were down a couple weeks ago, and I guess as they were continually like cleaning stuff out, found this old mug, and it's so. Uh, just, it, it's a normal, like a, could not be a more basic shaped mug, yes, right?
1: It is proto mug. When you, draw, when a kid draws a picture of a mug,
2: this is what they draw. Um, it's a blue enamel with your good classic uh, UVA V and Sabres logo there, mm-hmm. right? That everybody knows. But then above it, in like the most generic font, is just the word Jason. <laughs> uh, like you would see at, uh, I don't know, you went to some gift shop right. and you wanted to buy something with your name on it and they just had like, here's the 50 most common names, we're just yep. going to put this uh, well,
1: One thing I love about that is that the fonts that your name is in <laughs> are like those magnetic fridge magnet letters that you had as a kid Like, the Yeah, it's terrible colored ones. Um, so, They're like,
2: like rounded a little bit, all yeah. caps Spe-
1: No personality Speaking of mugs like that, so I do have a great gift shop mug it is from King's Dominion. Okay. It says Bobby on it. Okay. And it dates itself because it is when they had just got the Days of Thunder ride or like movie oh, experience wow. ride. Yeah. So like, I want to say like 95 or so.
2: Is That's, that the first like sit in the seat, move around thing they had there? that Did yes. they build that facility? For? Okay. Yeah. Because they, they've been rotated out what's in there.
1: Yeah. They did. I know they did a Bond thing.
2: The Bond thing was really cool. I, I remember that one. I
1: didn't do the Bond thing. I did... There was like a Marvel villains, but it wasn't actually licensed villains. It was just made up villains. Were they licensed I, heroes? Uh, No, I don't think so. But it was so, still branded Marvel. It was
2: branded Marvel? Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean... This is my memory of it, so it, it could be off. But that Days of Thunder thing was awesome. Like, mm-hmm. as someone who is kind of interested in NASCAR these days, I would like to go back and... Because, you know, the seat, Experience like... the magic. You, you pit in the seat, and, like, one side of the seat jacks up and then drops. The other side of the seat jacks up and drops. And, it, you know, it was the first, like, big IMAX-style screen I could remember as a kid.
2: I wonder if... Because those are fairly expensive to produce. Like, I wonder if that was the only theme park that had that, or if it was in a couple other places. I mean, I know there's like King's Island or whatever. Yeah, I Actually, know. there's a bunch of Paramount Parks. But it seems to, the reason I mentioned that is, so now there's D-Box, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so at least in major areas. They should have, you, you pay like regular ticket price, you go in and they just like play all of those back to back. Yes. You just you just get like 10 of them because they, they can't be more than like three or four minutes long, right?
1: No. The, yeah, that sounds about right. And it'd be great if in between each of them, they had like the director for them come on and talk <laughs> about the making of. That'd be so We great. were really excited for the opportunity to work with these rumbly seats. <laughs> and I was like, what if what if it was like a car? Because you sit in a car. Yep. We went from there. But those, yeah. I, I would like to go back. I mean... I haven't been to King's Dominion. So, King's Dominion is the one in Virginia. I haven't been to King's mm-hmm. Dominion D'Oswell, since. Doswell, Virginia. I think uh, after graduating senior year of high school, we had okay. a, a send-off event for a good friend of the show, Jimmy, there. I think that's the uh, last time I've been to King's Dominion.
2: I, c- I cannot remember the last time I was there. I don't know why I would have been there. Because uh, I used to go fairly often been. as a
1: kid because I had a friend who had a season pass. Right, and his
2: sister had a
1: generic name that could be like boy or girl, and so I would just go with that season pass. Nice, I was set. So yeah, there was like one summer
2: where we went. You were like, "Hello, yes, I am Elizabeth." (laughs) Yeah, you just call me Liz, Uh, right? Um. I, yeah, I had a, a string there where I was going for a while, like seventh, 8th, ninth, tenth grade. Like a lot of summer trips, like like tag on with people's families, mm-hmm. or like school related trips. You were going, but then I don't remember going. I, I I think the last, gosh, went to Busch Gardens sometime in college. I haven't I, been to Busch Gardens since I was in elementary school. I remember Busch Gardens being pretty rad. They've got some big new coaster there from a couple years ago. I'd like to go try out.
1: I do love coasters.
2: Coasters are the best.
1: So that's the that's the major bummer about going to Disney, which is, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: with few exceptions, there aren't that many coasters. I think
2: Aerosmith's Rock and Roller Coaster is super legit.
1: Oh yeah, no, I think that is a fun ride. That's great. I I enjoy that and the um, uh the the Everest whatever the Everest coaster is. That's at Animal Kingdom.
2: Oh man, I don't know if I've been on that. Is Is that new?
1: No, it's not. Um shit what is that called no it's it's been open since excuse me animal kingdom has been open it's um
2: i've been to animal kingdom a couple times
1: hang on animal expedition everest is what it's called so it's really good it doesn't go upside down but you get to a point where you get to the top of the mountain Uh and then it just drops you backward and dropping backward and riding backward for a while is a phenomenal experience wow you're just pulling like crazy g's going backwards
2: that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's it's an awesome ride. And, you know it's got actually has like little like story elements in it. So you're supposed to be like looking for the yeti or whatever. Oh, they Right, right, is, right.
2: And, like yeah. they all do.
1: Yeah, but pushing it more so. But yeah, so uh, Universal Studios Islands of Adventure has good coasters. Mm-hmm. They have a Hulk coaster. They have a Harry Potter themed dragon coaster. Which was not Harry Potter themed before. But when Didn't they put they, in the Harry Potter part, they're like, eh, there's a dragon coaster like right here.
2: Let's so just spray paint it and we're yep. done. Yeah, they basically like put up like a Hogwarts sticker on the front. <laughs> Didn't they have like dueling coasters at some point? Yeah, that's that's the one. So it's called Okay.
1: The, it was called the Dueling Dragons. Okay. And then they were like, Alright, we'll just call it like the
2: Harry Potter dragon. Harry Potter Voldemort versus Yeah. Uh...
1: I mean it's supposed to be themed um from the wizarding games. And so it's like the horn-tailed whatever and the okay. ridgeback. Sure. Anyway, yeah, yeah, So that's that's good, but yeah, Walt Disney World itself is lacking on the coaster front, unfortunately. But it makes it hard to go to other theme park or amusement parks because like this is so shittily poorly themed. <laughs>
2: like I could do a better job at. Well, this. Well, like, like, uh, yeah, Kings Dominion like, could not have more of an opposite philosophy like king's dominion is kind of total garbage except that they're like we have a lot of roller coasters yeah like a lot of them so if you want volume we are the place to go we got when, like 12
1: when we were kids they were trying though because they had they had Hanna
2: Barbera land i'm st- I'm sure i'm still they sure do have their vaguely defined yeah. theme areas
1: i believe they have some sort of like italian job coaster now okay oh right
2: because they do movies sort I of
1: I, I don't even know if it's still owned by paramount
2: It has not been owned by Paramount for a long time. So
1: then it might be like, a job in Italy, Coaster.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah.
1: So, okay. I actually put something here on the show notes that I wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. I'm having trouble with hamburgers. Okay. I can help. I love hamburgers. I want you to help me. So every time I try to make hamburgers, they turn out kind of garbage. Okay. What? So I'm talking about doing hamburgers on like a grill, like a charcoal grill. Yep. Um, they no matter it seems no matter how big I make them to begin with, they end up tiny. Like they mm-hmm. shrink up significantly, so they look okay, like I can help. I can help you with that. Okay. And then, you know, I'm still having trouble controlling the temperature and knowing how long to put them on. So make, I made hamburgers yesterday for a, we had a, a cookout. Mm -hmm. and a bunch of them just turned out utter garbage, and I was embarrassed to serve them. Wow. Because I I did not do a good job of communicating whether or not people were to bring their plates out to me where I was going to bring all the burgers inside. Right. And I ended up, like, standing out there an extra couple minutes, and by then, like, they were just all toast, and the the, uh, grill was so hot, like, just couldn't do anything about it. So how do you cook hamburgers? Because this
2: is my Everest. Great question. So... Um, we'll, we'll talk kind of about the full spectrum of things you need to do.
1: Yes, please.
2: So, uh, your beef, what kind of beef are you buying? I bought like 80,
1: 20 ground chuck or whatever That's good.
2: I would go 80, 20 or 85, 15 are both fine. Okay. Much leaner than that is too fatty. Much, um, uh... Or, I'm sorry, much leaner than that. It gets too dry and much fattier than that. It's too gristly and bad. Mm-hmm. So 80-20 is actually considered the the best okay. in terms of ratio, in terms of pure flavor. Um, I think you can go to 85-15 if you want to cut a little bit of the fat out and still be quality. It is a little bit more expensive, but either one, you're totally fine. Um, I'm big into weighing my burgers. Um, I really like uh, – and that's mainly not for – because I like a specific weight on my burger – consistency throughout. Mm-hmm. So so when I'm cooking, I don't have to worry about this one's a little bigger, this one's a little smaller. Um, so I do think it's worth the time getting a scale. Six ounces per burger is pretty key. It's kind of big. Um, but if you think like that's roughly a third pound. Yeah, yeah, that's kay? which isn't. Yeah, which isn't, isn't too bad. Um, so unless I was serving like a whole ton of people and I wanted to cut it back to like, you know, quarter pounders or just do sliders or something. And remember like a, uh, a six ounce burger pre-cooked, Uh, It's going to cook down a little bit and make a good-sized patty. Shaping the patties is really important. Um, As a general rule, you want to handle the meat as little as possible. So in a perfect world, you could either um, buy, like, whole cuts of meat and grind it in a food processor at home. But that's a bit of a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have a good local butcher that you know is grinding their stuff on site, you can kind of tell because um, the shreds of meat in the, like, I don't know – Thing that you buy it in is kind of loose and stuff, so that's a good way to, to get less handled stuff. But on your end, you know, try to grab it delicately. Don't don't smush it together with your hands as you're forming it. You know, when you put it on the scale, kind of pour it into a ball, and then just kind of cradle it in your hands, like rotate it around and, and press down.
1: Okay, as you're going. So, um, like I'll like start off by putting a little like barbecue sauce and some salt and pepper in my meat and then, okay. I'm, then i'm mixing it all
2: in together so like my hands are in there like kneading it like dough so you're saying that's bad uh, i think that's bad i think if you want to apply seasoning to your hamburger i think that's totally fine but i would do it to the finished formed patty okay okay um so once you form your patty into your round uh the way that you're gonna help prevent that shrinkage Mm-hmm. Okay, because that's what's happening is the there's a lot of air, a lot of water in there, and it's kind of seasoned up, yeah. especially as the outside cooks fast than the inside. So to prevent that, once you've got your flat burger, you make a divot in the middle. Pre- press your hands down into the middle to kind of press out, and it will make it form a little uh, more evenly. And then as it shrinks up, that will fill in oh. and, and, and form a more – you're going to lose a little bit less of that okay. Um, patty. Okay so uh form it like that season afterwards well-oiled grill is really important mm. um uh when you're doing charcoal make sure the coals are really evenly distributed for hamburgers you just want everything to be pretty hot yeah so um are you using a chimney starter or yeah. chimney okay starter. So, chimney starter get good like metal tongs or some metal thing and actually get in there and manipulate the hot coals like move them around get a nice even layer um Are you making cheeseburgers?
1: Uh, Yes. Usually I'm making like half of them cheesed.
2: Okay. Okay. So cheese is a concern. So I'm a big fan of, you know, kind of continuing to go back, manipulate your burgers as little as possible. Mm -hmm. They should go on, be flipped once and pulled. Never smoosh down the top because you're just losing moisture. Um, Try not to like cut in and flip and check and stuff. Uh, With a six ounce burger, when you're cooking for a lot of people, I assume you're going for like a medium well type of situation. Yeah. You know, no one's going to be
1: particular about how their meat's being cooked as long as it's not
2: dead. So I would put them all on, uh, cover five minutes, uncover, um, flip, cover for about um, three minutes, uncover, apply cheese, cover for about two minutes, pull. Okay. Okay. I think no more than about 10 minutes, maybe 12. Um, and I would have uh, my grill pretty hot. So I would have the vents open all the way um, at the bottom and the top. Mm-hmm. That should get you up to, I mean, after you put the cold mean on, it should probably preheat up to about 500, 450, 500, and it'll hang around 4 to 450. Okay. Yeah, my, my grill good.
1: yesterday was super hot. Like super Super hot. hot. Super, super hot.
2: Um which can happen if you, if it's got sun directly on it, that is going to impact um, both the temperature and it also can screw up that thermometer in the top. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're worried about that, you can cook with the grill uncovered. So you're going to lose a lot of heat and things are going to take a little longer to cook. I actually think that's really hard to do a well done or medium well burger. Um, if you're less concerned about cooking all the way through, you want more of a medium medium rare burger. Yeah, that should work fine. Um, if you want a more medium well doing it just totally open i'd probably um go with a smaller burger and it's hard to melt the cheese the nice thing about putting the cheese on near the end is it melts yeah but you don't want to do it for a full five minutes because it starts to brown and char and get kind of nasty yeah Um, also i recommend shredding your cheese not putting on big slices because it melts faster all right but that can also be a pain in the butt
1: yeah so i did do something yesterday that kind of worked Okay. So one of the problems that I have is that the grates on my grill are really wide. Mm. or I mean, I don't know if they're, they're probably a standard width, right? But it seems yeah. wide to me. So I feel like I'm losing chunks of meat as they're, like, I'm trying to flip it. And so like stuff just like falls through because it gets caught on one thing. And, you know, the burger kind of goes under one of the grates. Like
2: Interesting. So, so,
1: so what I did yesterday, which actually kind of worked on the second batch after I screwed up the first batch, which is I brought out my cast iron skillet, mm-hmm. put it on the grill and heated it up. And I just like threw the patties in there quick flip, just to, like sear them on the outside. Like you're like searing a steak or something. And then mm-hmm. I put them on the grill to get the, the charcoal flavor and the warmth. And that that kind of worked, but that is That'll also work. an extra step.
2: It is an extra step. That that actually suggests that maybe your grill is not oiled down well enough.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. I I don't know how you're oiling your grill, but you should have like a, uh, like a cup or a bowl with oil mm-hmm. and a paper towel. You wad the paper towel up, grab it, dip it in there, rub it all over. Yeah. All that I, stuff. I probably could
1: stand to do that. You know, I usually just go out there with the, uh, the olive oil spray and I just
2: and just let it all yeah. fire up. Nah, it's not good.
1: It's it's fun now. hmm Setting things on fire, but yeah, it is. There's got to be a better way.
2: I would also suggest for grilling, especially since it's getting so hot, olive oil's got a lower smoke point, so it can start to burn and taste off. Oh, okay. Um, I use would... Uh, canola nu- or... Canola, can, uh, yeah. I use... I like... I'm not a big fan of canola. I think that tastes odd, too. Um, I, I like uh, soybean or peanut oil. Soybeans just usually marketed as vegetable oil. Okay, yeah. as cheap as shit. Um, I cannot that's do... A the, good- I
1: can't do the peanut oil, so
2: right of course so yeah uh soybean would be your best and it's way cheaper yeah we have we have lots of vegetable oil um but that would be my tip uh again the 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 biggest keys i think especially for your shrinkage is going to be manipulating the meat less uh so that means seasoning at the end and then shaping with that divot and weighing
1: i really like the divot technique it's clever
2: yes I and did that, not make that up. That's a lot of Food Network watching yeah. <laughs> Nonsense. Alright, and that's your Burger Cast. Burger cast. Let's make hamburgers. Burger Cast, episode one. I'm smoking ribs today. Ooh. I'm very excited about it. I've only done it once, and I thought I did an okay job.
1: Because if, if you'll recall, the last time we I think it was the last time we podcast, I was doing we're gonna do
2: ribs. Yes. But it was pouring rain. So I yeah. ended up doing them in the oven. In the oven.
1: And they turned out. Yeah,
2: fine okay i actually found i was looking through an alton brown cookbook i have and he has a uh an encouraging rib recipe but it's all in the oven and i'm like now the whole point of this is it's outside today yeah. so i'm doing all smoke i don't have a smoker so i'm kind of converting my weber into a smoker um and seeing if that works i'm also cooking eight pounds of ribs because they were really cheap so let's, see what, let's see what yeah. happens yes i uh I couldn't fit them all on my grill So I remembered another trick I found I re- Somewhere, some barbecue show or something So you've probably seen Some people will cook ribs on a rib rack Like standing up Like in a uh... So, alright, so usually Please you describe. put these... I, I don't know what this is Okay, so a rib rack would just be uh, Like a bunch of pieces of metal Vertically and parallel Like this, that you would put the ribs Standing up in between So they would hold the ribs in place Okay So And the idea is more of the um, ribs are exposed to the air, so they're going to get more smoke flavor. I see. And you're going to save space. I don't own one of those. But. Shocker. Shocker, because it's a weird specialized piece of things. I don't smoke all that often. But I do own a roasting pan, which has a roasting rack in it, which is basically exactly the same thing. If you turn the roasting rack upside down you could put ribs in between the racks.
1: Oh, okay. I see.
2: So I'm using it because I can't fit all the the ribs. If I put the ribs on my grill, it covers the entire surface of the grill, Mm -hmm. which is not good because I want to do indirect.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: So I needed to save some. That's clever. Yeah, I remember that. So I'm like, all right, this is going to work. Let's hope I don't ruin my grill rack.
1: There's your hot tip of the cookout cast. Yum. Hot tip. Oh, wait, this isn't a cookout cast. It could be though. It could be. It's low score episode one hundred and ten.
2: Big episode one ten. Bobby and Jay. Bobby you're over there. I am Jay you're over there. Mm-hmm. I am. Drinking out of my sweet mug. <laughs> Jay Son. Just in case. Just in case I forget who I am or what school I went to. Yeah. I have it literally at the palm of my hand and make and pour more coffee. That's a great sound. Yeah. It's morning.
1: So I don't know if I've told it's you the morning. my in-laws. They make like a big craft of coffee when I come visit, you know, because the three of us are drinking it. So me, when I'm making coffee, I don't make that much because it's just me. right. We had right. this conversation when they make it, and it doesn't matter. Like I, they use like the coffee they use isn't great, and like it just doesn't taste like it's not how I would do my cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. But the fact that somebody's making a cup of coffee that I don't have to make. I could care less like give me whatever (laughs) it's just so nice not to have to uh make your own coffee
2: I have have the opposite so have we talked about how I think I think Keurig is the bane of our society yes we've talked about it yeah okay I hate it yeah but but it's like so when I go to visit my folks all they have is a Keurig now um so it's, like, now, now not only do I have to make my own coffee, you have to, like, wait in the line of coffees. Right. As everybody is sitting there, like, waiting. Uh. It's so it's, like, inefficient on a level that I can't even stand.
1: And, and your in-laws have a Keurig machine, too, right?
2: They do have a Keurig machine, but when, like, um, the extended family is all there, mm-hmm. they will pull out the coffee maker yeah. and, like, start making it. Or, like, if we're at the beach or something.
1: Yeah, I, I don't really even have that option. No, I do. Okay. We do have a coffee maker. We have like a little four cup coffee maker okay. that Megan's mom uses when she comes to visit. Okay. But I never, I never pull it off. If I have out. a bunch of people over, I'll do, I have like
2: one of the big French presses. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. That you can, that you'll get like two cups out of or so.
1: Got, no, I could get like three cups out of it probably. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess
2: that makes sense. But we also stuff. don't
1: ever have people over. So <laughs> yeah, problem now. solved. Yay. All right, well, it's been a minute since we've done one of these podcasts.
2: We have a lot of games. Well, you this is have a lot of going to be a long games. podcast. I, yeah, two of them are going to be real fast. Okay. Actually, three of them are going to be real fast.
1: Uh, do you want to start with those, then?
2: Sure, knock, let's, knock let's, let's knock out a couple. So, uh, yesterday, I played The Wolf Among Us Episode 3, which is the Telltale Fables game. Big Episode 3. Uh, that is still fantastic. Uh, I don't know what much new I have to say, kind of like I did with episode two, <laughs> but uh, it continues to be engaging in that it is a mystery. Mm-hmm. S- so where uh, a lot of these adventure games, at least specifically The Walking Dead, has a great story, but it's very like character driven and you're moving its character along. Wolf Among Us is very like mystery centric and um, you feel like as the mystery goes on. You feel like, you know, less and less. And like, this is getting bigger and bigger and bigger than just this mystery. It was in episode one or like this murder. It was in episode one and then it became like a serial killer. And then it's like, wait a minute. Like all these people are involved and like there's new characters, every episode. Um, it's really well paced, very fulfilling. um, the since you're like a lot of them are interrogations, some of the dialogue choices they feel like a little bit more meaningful. Like, ooh, is this character going to respond to me punching him in the face, or is this character going to respond to being a little more patient <laughs> and talking with them? Uh,
1: I respond. I respond really well to p- face punching. By the way,
2: there is a character who um, he runs like the the fables, like brothel or whatever. And he just, you just punch him in the face. If you want to get anywhere with him, you just you just punch him in the face. Like, I actually skipped, I think I skipped a dialogue sequence in, uh, you visit him a lot in the second episode, and you kind of have occasion to go back there in this one. And I just walked in, and he's like, hey, hey, man, why are you back? And one of the four dialogue options is just punch him. So I <laughs> punch him. And then just totally <laughs> bypass him and go over to the like room where this other conversation is going on that I actually came here to talk to. That is like awesome. Them. And I'm like, this is a great game. This is a great game. A+. Plus. So, uh, everybody should play that if they like games, whether you know about Fables or not. That just reminded me I added something to my list. Yay, we can talk about that. Okay, uh, so uh, continuing the rapid fire segment, I played a little bit of Mercenary Kings last weekend. Um, okay, which, so... I watched uh, Brad
1: and Jeff play this on the Giant Bomb
2: Quick Look. One of the worst Quick Looks I've ever seen. Wow. Okay. Um, because it is... They they spent an hour on what is like 3% of the game. Is it is it their fault that that hour or that 3% yes. took an
1: hour? So what were they doing wrong? So in, in the Quick Look... Um, they basically spent the entire time chasing a boss around the map. Mm-hmm. Like
2: it, they would get like two shots in, and then the boss would go away. So uh, there's a couple things wrong with that. One, it's pretty infrequent that you're in a boss battle in the game. Uh, the boss does like appear and disappear for these timed uh, segments, and it can be frustrating to go hunt him down.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So th- that that's fair, and I and I, I actually think that's kind of annoying. But if you look at the map, you can see all of the places where the bus will appear, which Brad never did. He was just like randomly like walking around.
1: Oh no, he was he was he was uh, looking at the map. Oh really? Where yeah. like
2: the skulls were and stuff? Yeah, but okay. he
1: like okay, now I need to like go to this door and then go to this door and then
2: I'll be there. So I- that's that's fair. So I I guess I was like, that is a frustrating part of the early game. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, th- I, I do think it was a little exaggerated in that I think just the natural of it's tough to like talk and like do this at the same time, but it's also not a very good indicator of what the game is about okay? because of the like many different mission types, that is one and that's all they showed for an hour. Um, I think the game is kind of okay. Uh, it is, you got it for free, correct? It's free. It is, um, so it just came out. It, it was on early access on Steam for a while. Uh, it just came out on PS4 and PC. It is the PS Plus game of the month on PS4. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's free. Still free. Um, it is like um, Metal Slug inspired in terms of gameplay and look. But it has, I don't know, like a whole lot of progression type stuff in it where you're getting money to buy new weapons all the time. As you do more stuff, you are like ranking up, which accesses more missions and more weapons. So
1: it looked like a uh, Scott Pilgrim pixel art meets metal yeah. slug meets borderlands
2: uh, in terms of like not, upgrading not, guns and yeah, but it's not, you're not finding guns. You okay. are fine. You're finding parts that let you buy guns. Your inventory is also static. So you whenever you go into a mission, you can only take one gun. But every but the missions are short. And when you go back to the hub, you can switch out your gun and switch out like parts of the gun. So you'd buy a gun and then you can buy like different types of ammo for that gun. Okay. Different types of elements for that gun. Different types of scope for that gun. Um, it's pretty fast paced. It's it was a super fun, like multiplayer type experience, because your character progression like persists. So in that case it's like Borderlands or Diablo or whatever um i feel like i'm not doing a great job of explaining it uh
1: i mean so you know it looked cool to me and then then i would watch that quick look and i was like i don't know about this like that doesn't the bit that they showed did not seem fun and so it's you know i don't have a ps4 and i don't play games on my computer so there's no point buying a computer no so i've been waiting they just announced a vita
2: version That'll be fun because so. it's it's a great little diversion. The um, You basically, you start in this hub world. You go upgrade your character, pick from a list of missions, and go do that mission. The missions themselves take, you know, between five and 15 minutes, probably depending mm-hmm. on what the mission is. Then you come back and kind of rinse and repeat. Um, you can replay missions to get more items or complete extra objectives, which then get you more money and level you up. Um. So it's very like progression based, and then as, certain, as soon as you beat bosses or a certain amount of missions, you unlock like another tier of missions and can go to different locations and stuff. So, um, in that sense, it feels a little bit Diablo-y maybe, in that you're kind of running out, doing stuff, coming back to a hub. You know, go into your inventory screen. Like, all right, here's how I want to allocate my my guns. Here's the different. Here's the knife I want. Here's how, how I want to be dressed. Let's go out again. And come back. Um, but it's like great action-y like shooting at the same time. I think it controls pretty well. It it feels very unique. It looks great. The soundtrack's fantastic. Um, a very good kind of pick up and play light thing. I think a great multiplayer experience. I don't know how engaged I would be single player playing it.
1: So who are you playing with multiplayer?
2: Playing with Jimmy online. Obviously. That's right. Uh, Which was super fun because he was like, he'd been playing for hours and hours and hours. So he kind of just blast through everything while I was like leveling up, figuring Mm -hmm. out my characters. Um, It was my first online experience with the PlayStation 4, which left a fair amount to be desired. Um, And maybe it was just like understanding the different paradigms. So we we talked before and uh, he was like, all right, you should start the match. Because you're further back. So, like, you may be, like, way... um, You may have a hard time if you join my game and then we're playing in, like, my progression. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And that that was fairly easy. Like, I set up an invite. I set the game to what I thought was private. And then he joined in. But the game kept crashing every once in a while. We played a whole match and couldn't talk to each other until we realized, like the game invite is completely separate from like the party chat invite okay so sure. i'd like go to the system level and invite him but there's also a system level setting where you can like flip that as the default like what is the chat default your party or your game and i actually kind of like that
1: like having the option or you like it separate? i like ha-
2: I like having the option, and I also like it defaulting to party chat. Like, now that I know that's there. So,
1: why would you ever do a party chat where you're not playing the same game?
2: If we were playing Mercenary Kings, so you can just open it up and have four people in there. Mm -hmm. So, if I just wanted to have a conversation with somebody, and then, like, not want, like, randos coming into our game to overhear it.
1: Oh, okay. So, party chat. Gotcha. That's a private... So Correct. uh the game chat is when the game is open, everyone who is in the game can talk. Correct. Gotcha.
2: So I kinda like that. Because
1: in the Xbox 360, it was like invite to party and game as the Right,
2: right. So they were still different in the Xbox. It was just a lot easier. Like there was a system level invite to game, and it doesn't seem like there was in Mercenary Kings. It's actually pretty easy. Like there was in that hub world, there's like people with little shops like here's where you get your missions, here's where you get your guns, here's a person who just handles the multiplayer. And it was so like, it's cute. like it's like
1: a Pokemon Center.
2: You yeah. Go to the co- back of the Pokemon center to talk to the person and That is exactly how it was, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's that's Mercenary Kings. I played it for a little bit, had some fun with that. That was that was that. Cool.
1: Well see, I played Jazz Punk. I finished Jazz Punk.
2: Jazz Punk is so good. I talked about that
1: two episodes ago, I think. Yeah, and I don't think I had I can't remember if I started playing it for the last episode. I don't think I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. But yeah, you were right. That game is superb and It basically does the same thing as Gone Home, except it's kind of dumb and irreverent. And I really, really enjoyed that.
2: That that was my review. Exactly. Like, I like the promise. It's like the promise of of, um, Gone Home being fulfilled in that Gone Home does a lot of things interesting. But the biggest one is like, hey, you could make a first-person game that's just like whatever. Like, first-person game and shooter are different genres. So... The like taking that idea and making a completely different game is fantastic. Yeah. Where you're still like solving, I mean, you're still kind of like solving puzzles, and yeah, you're walking, walking around, around and clicking on things in the environment. But the story is completely incidental to the experience of Jazzpunk. Totally, the real experience of Jazzpunk is finding nonsense. Right, like Jazzpunk is totally a game about
1: people's obsession with walking around and trying to interact with everything in the world, and that's, yep. it surprises you by. Sometimes it produces nothing, and sometimes it is just the most insane, inane nonsense, actually.
2: or just great jokes. I love in the first level the guy playing the saxophone making bad puns about uh like data, where he's like, "I've got some upcoming gigs, almost a terabyte."
1: <laughs> yeah, the the writing on it is super, and I just I yeah I totally loved it. I don't know what else to say about it. Keep it short. You, you should, should play. You should play jazz punk. fun it's totally fun and and it doesn't like crazy awesome things with the environment so the point when you go into like the computer world if you recall at the end yeah the end yeah like that was it's just like pretty to look around that Mm -hmm. from a game like
2: shot up of tubes and stuff and um i I loved it i love the the guy who gives you missions walking downstairs but he's just like passed out behind his (laughs) desk
1: (laughs) Yeah, it it just it does great things that are like tricks from like animation and comedy, but in a natural way that doesn't feel forced in the game. Like, and I think my favorite gag, which is not to give anything away, my favorite gag in the game is so you're supposed to be your body is shaped like an icon, like you you the the silhouette that you would see on a bathroom door. That's what everyone looks like, right? And those people have no appendages, Mm -hmm. but sometimes you need to interact with things in the game, (laughs) and so it shows in first person like. Like a weirdly drawn hand, like poke up. It, with like it almost your, looks like it came out of Ren and Stimpy or something. Totally, like like kind of like gruesome gr- with the, the yeah. hair sticking out and stuff. And you interact with the thing, and we're done interacting
2: with it. You drop it, and it turns out it was just like a hand, like on a stick, <laughs> on a like stick. a paper hand on the stick. And if you interact with that same thing again, and you'll drop it again, and there'll be two of them on the yeah. floor.
1: There's the part we play Twister, and then there's like, <laughs> and then ask you to like, <laughs> like your, your too fifth limb, pitches. yeah. Uh.
2: I want, so that st- good.
1: I want that stinger noise, like whenever it makes a joke. And it's Bow. like, bam! <laughs> want that. Um, okay. So I played some more Bravely Default.
2: Okay. There's a question mark at the end of Bravely Default. I play a little bit more, too. I keep kind of chipping away at it. I'm
1: having no luck at chipping away at it. So mm-hmm. the past two times I've turned it on, I've gone to do whatever the mission that I was supposed to be on. And in two hits, the bosses have killed me. Oh, so God. I'm done with Bravely Default. I've decided that, I mean, I, you know, I went off on it a bit in the last podcast and I won't revisit that, but I've decided that I just do not like that game and I, I don't want to play it anymore. So it got to, it got to the point where I would like have my DS and I was about to pull it up. I was like, I, you know what? I would rather go play some persona three portable. God like, damn it. Which I had a character started up the, the female character. I was, um, and I was enjoying playing a game that I have basically played like twice already in the last year more mm-hmm. so than I was enjoying playing Bravely Default. So, I mean, I don't know how I'm going to, if I'm going to continue on Persona 3 Portable, but that's why it says Bravely Default uh, Persona 3 Portable.
2: I don't, I mean, I don't have anything to say. I mean, if you're not enjoying a game, why should not time, be playing right? it. I completely agree. But if you're, but you know, the world of JRPGs is vast to play one you've played I know numbers of times seems silly yeah seems
1: silly. talk to our friend Solosi yeah no. he's a bad influence
2: he plays a lot of different games though. he does good for him yeah okay so I've been playing totally randomly mm-hmm. Saints Row the fourth
1: oh you mean Saints Row four
2: Saints Row four not the fourth Come on. As opposed to Saint Earth's Row, the third. Uh, I'll get back to the second. So, uh, I needed some games to play. So, Infamous Second Son's coming out. Came out for okay. the PS4. Came out. Got good reviews. Uh, supposed to look great. But I'm like, why would I play that without playing the original Infamous games? That seems like, it, if, especially if it's supposed to be good, that would kind of lock me down from playing two really critically acclaimed games on the PS3. Sure. So I decided I'll go buy them. They're going to be super cheap, just like I bought Uncharted. So I went to GameStop, bought Infamous 2. Infamous is like nowhere to be found if I want the box. hmm. There's lots of copies all around with either the box um, or like some chart up Greatest Hits box. Sure. Um, I even had like the guy call Bunch store. So I decided, and it was not cheap on Amazon either, um, which is how I got like MGS4. Yeah, that's weird. But I, but I won an eBay lot, super cheap gray condition version of it, but then I had to wait for the eBay guy to ship it to me. So I have Infamous 2, and I really don't want to play that before Infamous. I'm spinning my wheels. Mm-hmm. Well, I forgot, a little while ago, I had bought a copy of Saints Row 4 because it was like 10 bucks on one of those New Egg sales, I think. So it was new. So I'm like, all right, I'll pop that in. That seems like a game I could tool around with. Yeah. And it turned out to be fantastic! That's, uh, that is so crazy. I mean,
1: so, you know, the only thing that I know about that game obviously comes from Giant Bomb talking about it, and they didn't enjoy it as much as they enjoyed 3. Because oh. because 3, you know, for them was a very special thing. So I could it understand was. that. So, you know, I didn't even think about 4 as being a game that I would ever want to consider. And then you tell me that it's fantastic.
2: I think it is much better than Saints Row the 3rd. A game I liked. Yeah. Like, I like Saints Row the 3rd. So, in, Saints Row is an interesting series because it started out as this GTA wannabe. And... I guess a, as GTA has gotten a little bit more serious mm-hmm. in its main story and its mechanics, um, not that GTA is not without its many, many ridiculous moments, but there's there's like a grounding in the real world of GTA. Yes. In a way that Saints per- Row... Particularly with 4. Particularly with 4. 5 gets a little bit looser, but 5 still takes place on planet Earth <laughs> with <laughs> like cars and airplanes yes. and humans. Uh, Saints Row the 3 starts to get pretty silly in terms of its level of bombast and like marketing and, and tone and stuff and Saints Row 4 just says fuck it <laughs> like <laughs> fuck this With, so in the first alright so Saints Row after the events of Saints Row 3 everybody loves the Saints you stop a big missile from hitting down your elected president you choose Keith David as your uh, vice president. Um, of course. And all your, like, crazy saints to be in your cabinet. You're being bombastic. People are kind of like, we don't know how you're doing running the country, but whatever. So you have a press conference where aliens invade, abduct you, and put you in more or less the Matrix. <laughs> Now, if you're like, man, you're spoiling a significant part of the game. No, I'm spoiling like ten minutes of the game. Like this, all happens like boom, 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 boom. This is the setup. Re- this is the setup. Um, to so, at one point, you break out. Earth gets destroyed. So now you are in this computer simulation recreation of the city from Saints Row the Third, except now you're like going in and so you have all kinds of superpowers and stuff because you are just like an avatar of yourself. So let me rephrase this. What they wanted to have you do in saints row. The uh, four was so crazy. The only way they could explain it narratively was by making you play a video game inside of the video game. Okay. Okay. So you do like two missions That seem like normal open world missions, and they're like, "Fuck it, here you go. You can run up buildings. You can run super fast. You can glide. You can jump like the height of several buildings. You can uh, shoot like electricity and fire out of your hands. Just go. Just like now. Now you're going to do open world missions in a scenario like this. Cool. So, if I remember."
1: Saints Row 4 was basically spun off from DLC they wanted to do for Saints Row III, the third that entered the dominatrix. Yes. It, how apparent is it that like part of this it, does it seem like a really long a DLC or is it like no. they just took a good idea and then made a whole game out of it? Or they took it this f- idea and made
2: a game out of it? It feels like a full-fledged, legit game. Okay. The, if there's something that seems um, rushed about it, it's that I believe it's the same city from Saints Row 3, Mm -hmm. but I don't remember that city that well, so even that didn't really bother me. Plus, now, you are flying around the city, so there's no reason you'd ever drive a car. Um, There's this incredible sense of motion and speed and, like, jumping. A lot of the game is very vertical. Um, Sounds like
1: like a chapter from my dissertation.
2: It's hilarious. It's like... um, yeah, I mean, if we want to get that way, it's a real like deconstruction of the like open world thing. Mm-hmm. Like, what if the world was actually open in terms of like, instead of just like uh, I don't know, you you have roads and and stuff. Like, there's still rules here. Right now, they're like, no, we don't, we we don't care. Like, there's no there's no fall damage. There's no nothing. <laughs> um, you're in big robot suits for a lot of the missions, but there's still like a drive. The um. The story itself is, like, this weird extended Mass Effect 2 parody. Because... <laughs> sure. Because the story... Like, so, all right. So, once you break out of the Matrix thing, you're, like, naked and, like, in red goo. And you find, like, the real world. Like, where a couple of your friends have already broken out. Okay. So, now, you're on a spaceship which looks suspiciously like the Normandy. <laughs> and by that, I mean exactly like the interior of the Normandy. <laughs> And you have to go rescue, like, all of the different characters from the past games to assemble them on your crew to then go on the final mission to defeat the aliens. What mm. a weird thing to do, a parody I'm, of a game that's I'm not kidding. And, it, and that part is a, is a little bit subtle. And I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. I get it. So you can talk to all these people and they'll give you a bunch of side missions. One of the things I like about it is, okay, so in Saints Row the Third, I thought that all of the side missions were total garbage. Yes. And I feel the opposite in Saints Row 4. In fact, I did every side mission. And they're structured pretty well in that, um, you know, there's quite a few different mission types, but uh, one of your side characters will give you, like, I want you to do, like, these four things, and then I'm going to give you something, like a new costume or a new gun or something. And then you also get XP and money and stuff to go get yourself more items. So it's structured really well. Um, Like Mass Effect, so... In Mass Effect, there or in big role-playing games like that, romancing is a big part of it, right? Like, you want to pick a character and carefully construct these dialogue options... Yeah, you got to romance the stuff. ...to romance them. So every character on board has a, like, romance option, and it's just, like, a super quick dialogue. Like, you'll go up to... Uh, there's a character called Kinsey, who's kind of, like, an off-the-rails, like, science person. Mm-hmm. And you push the romance button and you're just like, hey Kinsey, wanna fuck? She's like, sure, and punches you in the face, jumps on you, kisses you, fades to black. <laughs> That's it. And you've you've completed the romance mission uh with her.
1: In this episode we've learned that punching people in the face is a
2: fiable. A lot way of, of punching. Going through A lot life. of punching. Uh you can do that with just about everybody, regardless of gender, which was pretty funny. Um some some of them like You like are really funny, but don't end in a sexual encounter. Like uh, there's there's a guy who wrote a book, and so there's a lot of like sexual dialogue. But it turns out you just want him to get you just wanted him to sign your book. That's pretty (laughs) funny. Uh, One of the things I liked was so they've they've always done a bit, or at least in three and four, about the voice of your character. You know, there's a lot of character customizations. You may remember that in this one. Your voice options are like male voice one two three, female voice one two three, and then Nolan North. <laughs> so I picked the Nolan North voice, which is was super funny. Having just played Uncharted. Oh yeah, sure. Okay, so remember he's just doing Nolan North, and at a couple points in the game, references the fact that he is Nolan North. <laughs> like you're talking to Keith David, who remember is just Keith David, and he's like. Like you like you're not even a real actor. You're just like a voice actor. I am I'm Keith David. Like I'm great. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. Or uh the, like you'll you'll need to sneak into somewhere and uh somebody over your microphone be like, alright, when you get in there, just be yourself. He's like, be Nolan? <laughs> like like breaks character for just a minute and then like is right back in it. Uh that was super funny. I I just I felt like I had a real big grin on my face the whole time. It's really fast paced, and like when you got into the actual missions and stuff, they were still really fun. Like it's really good third person shooting, really adventurous. None of the missions were too long. Yeah, um, they feel like you kind of got in and out and w- felt very meaningful. Uh, I just had a total blast with the game. I thought it was one of the m- biggest, most fun um, open world games I-, I have ever played. I really, really enjoyed it.
1: I'm gonna have to give this a go then, based on this yeah.
2: recommendation. It's dirt cheap now. I'm sure. Um, I mean, I got it for ten, but I think you could easily get it for for twenty, and I want like full price. <laughs> Why would I hope get it for twenty? Would I get it for ten? Well, if you want it like now, instead oh, okay. of waiting okay. it for a no, sale. T- uh, are you kidding me? Right. I w- yeah, I would definitely recommend this to fans of video games. So. Uh, I've just started playing now So going back, uh, in, in the middle of playing Saints Row the 4 Infamous came, but I was playing Saints Row the 4th, so I've started playing Infamous on the Playstation 3 yes. Entertainment system, and so far That seems okay um, it, I And mean, it's hard because
1: basically What you have are two Similar open world superpower Games, one has You know, four years or f- No, when did, when did Infamous come out?
2: 2008?
1: Nine, nine. 2009 Yeah, so five years leg up on it and, and lessons learned.
2: Yeah. So on the one hand, like it, it still plays really well and it feels very different. So it's a, it's a slower paced game because every game is a slower paced game than Saints Row the fourth, <laughs> but I'm used to like in both games, I'm shooting electricity out of my hands, but in Saints Row the fourth, I'm also like flying and stuff. Yeah. So that's just like, that's not a complaint. I'm like, I need, all right, I need to dial this back. This is probably a bad game to play right after it because I want things to go a little faster, but it's not. Um, the world they've built in infamous seems really interesting. Um, I, I like. There's a lot of story stuff I don't know. Like bad stuff's happened. There's chaos is raining, but it's right after this like thing has happened, and I'm somehow like supercharged with electricity, and so I can go and yes, turn power on to parts of the city and shoot electricity on my hands and shoot like electric bombs as or like grenades and stuff. That's been pretty fun. Like the combat's all been very good.
1: Yeah, and it's um, you know, as an earlier. Uh, earlier game in the open world series and coming yeah you know, being a sucker punch game it definitely has like a cartoony action like third person character action feel to it as opposed to yes a lot of like the other like it reminds me more of a ratchet clank than it does uh, grand theft auto in that kind of way and like even the animation when your character's running because i've had to pop it in recently for something and like just like the big like huffing arms as you're running around like your right. character feels like a little heavier it's just um it feels like it's coming from a different lineage, which I thought was cool when I was playing it.
2: Yeah. I, I haven't really, well, I kind of like, I, I've been playing it for probably three hours now, four hours maybe. And every, I sit back, I'm like, this is really excellent. Like this still seems like it's holding up pretty well, but it hasn't like clicked with me mm-hmm. in that, like, like Stainsaw the Fourth is like, I'm staying up late. Like, oh my God, I gotta, I gotta play more. Right. I gotta play more, play more, play more. Um. This i will play for, like, an hour or so. I'll be like, that's good. That was enjoyable. This is a good game. But I'd like to go do something else now. Okay. So I'm waiting for that to, like, grab me. And I'm not sure why it hasn't yet. If it's just coming off of a different game or I, or I bet
1: but. that has a lot to do with it. It's hard to go back-to-back on these open worlds.
2: Yeah. I've done a lot yeah. of that,
1: and I'm sick of them entirely. So I,
2: I actually thought the same thing. Like, I, I, I've been playing games, like, back-to-back-to-back-to-back. I wonder if I need to just, like, ratchet it down for a week. Go, like, read some comic books. Yeah. Maybe play a little... DS, I'm, watch them TV, and then like, you, though, come I back. I would yeah, love that's true. To be playing all these video games. I know things are getting busier now. I actually had a um, a lot of uh, lull at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. and now like just social stuff and work's getting a little bit,
1: a little bit busier. I but, I didn't put it on but here, not, but yeah. talking about Sucker Punch reminds me, at some point over the Christmas break or Christmas time, um, the Sly Cooper Thieves in Time for the Vita was crazy cheap. Okay, so I bought that and I played a few minutes of that. Did they make that? No, they didn't make. That. I mean, they made it Sly Cooper. They
2: made the right, right, right. Okay,
1: but I don't know who worked on. It says Sanzaru Games.
2: I um, have not ever played a Sly Cooper game. This is the I first have no th- opinion
1: of them. First time I had played one, and it seems it seems all right. I don't know. I played the first couple okay. couple minutes or missions of it. So it starts off with like a tutorial, like straightforward level, and then drops you into like an open-ish world that's like a small open world like a hub world you can mm-hmm. switch back and forth between three different characters who have different missions within that world as they have different abilities um i don't know Seems all right i tell you though the menu on it has like a scrolling moving background and then the actual menu box kind of like waves to the left and to the right like pendulum swinging uh,
2: okay super nauseating yeah i don't want that on a portable game <laughs> like, at all
1: I'm like holding my face like oh god whoa hang on let's through this quickly but
2: i'm still waiting for sidebar i'm still waiting for a game on my vita that i want to like sit down and play i played a fair amount of street fighter cross tekken because it was free yeah and it looks and plays very well on the vita Mm
0: -hmm.
2: but that's still not a very good okay bobby's holding up persona 4 gold (laughs) i don't know man i've just i've gone back to watching the endurance run because i don't know if i'm gonna play it (laughs)
1: I still have Tearaway that
2: I need to play. Oh, yeah, I do really want to play that. Um, all right, I, kind of, I really want Final Fantasy X on it. I do too. I really I, want to buy it. I bought the strategy guide.
1: I have not played x 2. And if you'll recall, when I played oh, 10, 10 2, I got like 40 hours in and my save file was corrupted, so I never finished 10. Right, and there are things I liked about ten back then, and I kind of want to revisit it. If that ten,
2: w- if it were like ten, fifteen go ahead. bucks, I think I would pick yeah. it up. It's already started going on sale for thirty. All right, so I'm waiting. Twenty is my point because I'd actually like it on both. Because, mm. because you know, the saves are cross yeah. are transferable, but you don't. They're not. It's not cross buy. Right. So if I could buy both for forty, I would totally do that. I mean, because boy, both. I like both of those games a lot. I think Final Fantasy X-2 kind of underrated. Like, people make fun of the, like, dress fear thing, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it's just... It's the freaking job system, and it's awesome. And, like, I got... I don't know. I, I like the light, especially, like, as... self-serious as Final Fantasy X is. I like the idea of, like, oh, hey, well, we beat the bad guy, let's go have fun. Like, <laughs> let's just... Let's be... Like, hey, we're still gonna have a story here. Like, I don't know. I, uh... There's, they made Riku way less annoying. I don't know. There's a. I think Ten holds up. The list idea for the future: five games in which you'd like a
1: sequel. Where we just beat the bad guy. Let's go have fun. Let's go have fun. Let's go do it. Yeah,
2: man. All
1: right. So the big release of the past two weeks for us, mm-hmm. which we both played, which is the reason why we're recording this weekend and not last weekend. Right. Uh, so we, you, fi- so you finished this. I did. Finish, You're done. Yes. Yay. Okay. okay good. Yeah. So, uh, Bioshock Infinite, Burial at Sea, Part 2. Right. The second.
2: The second part. So now all parts are out. Yes. This is the end of Bioshock Infinite. Probably the end... Well, maybe not the end of Bioshock. The end of Irrational doing anything.
1: So, before we get into the discussion of the, the game itself and the story of the game, let's talk about my experience trying to play the game. Okay. So, if you recall... I got really mad at Bioshock Infinite Burlitsy Part 1 because I bought the DLC from the Xbox homepage, yeah. not realizing that the DLC was 15 bucks, but the season pass was only $20. So I already paid 15 for it. And I was I was mad about that, and I'd gotten over it finally. And so it came time to buy this one, another $15. So that's $30 for the two DLCs as opposed to 20 at that point I was like You know and what And
2: 20, 20 oh, By the way For the three DLCs With the Clash in the Clouds Right Arena Which thing. admittedly I've never booted up And probably won't Right But I did get it I, So you know What I
1: decided to do I just bought the season pass Right Cause like
2: It like You It gets um, You get the DLC but, you, but wait But now you've paid 35 Where you could have paid 30
1: Correct Cause I thought Well I might as well Get the Clash in the Clouds Just in case I ever
2: uh, want to play it Okay, that is cheaper than buying all 3 individually, and, right? Cuz that would have been 40.
1: And there's like extra like plasmids or like something that you get in the game if I were to play it again. So might as well just spend the extra. Full time. experience. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Stupid, but that's what I did. So Brawl RSC Part 2 comes in two parts.
2: Right. The, fi- the it's file so size. big. Yeah. I've never seen this. It's like two like 1.7, 1.8 gig files. Yes. At least on the 360, it is a single download. On other platforms, Gosh. but it's still quite big. Yeah. At least on PC. I don't know about PS3.
1: Which, you know, I was at home. I have pretty slow internet here. I booted it up and I set the first one to download, not realizing that I needed a part two to download. So, got really excited to play it. Fuck. Now I have to wait like another, you know, 40 minutes for its download. Which, right. that's significant. So, it's like, finally got it going. Sat down, played through a bunch of it, and. I needed to stop for whatever reason. And I was probably, I realized that I was like three quarters of the way through the game. Didn't know it. Huh? So I said, you played a lot. I said, I need to, um, cause it was like one of the first days that I had like turned in my thesis or something. I needed to go to school campus on Friday. And I thought, okay, we have an Xbox there. I'll just bring it with me. So I grabbed my memory card. I throw the two DLCs onto the memory, like a memory stick. Uh, and then in my save file, grab the disk, bring it all to campus. Get there and I try playing like popping in the disk and just go into the play the downloadable content and it's like it's not showing up. Thought, That's weird. Like it's totally here. And so I tried moving it from the USB to the external hard or internal hard drive. I thought like, eh, "Maybe it just needs to find it all in one place." Couldn't find it there. Okay. So, downloaded the first part, also took again like 40 minutes, even on mm-hmm. our campus network. So, the slowdown is obviously on the server. Wired uh, Xbox? Yeah, wired Xbox on one yeah. of the fastest internets in the country. Like, our campus right. has blazing
2: internet speed. Yeah, it's got to be the Xbox servers.
1: So, 40 minutes goes by. I spent most of the morning waiting for this to get ready and to try to download it. And then I had to go to a meeting and then a talk and then another thing. So, I come back to it. I was like, I'll just leave this, leave the, the thing downloading, come back to it came back to it, still didn't work. And I thought, oh crap, well maybe it's because I had like the old version on there and the new version, so I went and I deleted deleted both of them again, re downloaded them again, so like another hour ish. Still wasn't working. Thing I didn't know that I needed to do until I started like browsing the forums was download the like eight hundred KB file that says season pass content to activate the fact that it would look for the season pass stuff. Right fucking idiotic because it kept telling me like oh you only have part one installed you only have part two installed like why i don't know what's going on so uh i played for 20 minutes <laughs> that day and had to stop again because it's time to go home and then i finished it up the other day so
2: just like i wonder so- if they've fixed that in the modern consoles because the reason those files exist is season passes didn't exist when the 360 was made right right so they can't they can't just tie it to your profile there has to be some file there. Yeah, that says, hey, this person owns this stuff. This person's legit. You can let him play the season pass version of it. Yeah. I Yeah. Just a major. Bu- I should have just said download be- this first. All right? because, the, because I bet you could have played episode one because in your buying history, you have not bought Burial at Sea episode two.
1: Oh, God, you're right.
2: Right, I bought it a says season you pass. bought the season pass, which then the game says, "Okay, this file's here, so you can go." But you, right? Oh my god! Like yeah. that makes total sense to me. Yes, why? It, like it's stupid. It's fucking dumb, right? But but I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the way they solve that problem: is make you download these little keys, which
1: I, you know, no big deal, except for the fact I didn't know I needed to do that. Spent right. hours based on it. So I'm not letting any of that color in my experience. Finished up the dlc uh and we're gonna spoil it all to hell for the next do do you want to say 10 minutes max
2: i I don't know if we should should we spoil it all to hell i want to i want to talk about the ending right um all right yeah then we'll spoil it let's give our let's 10 minutes 10 minutes is that okay so i'm looking at at the clock right now 10 minutes so in five four three two one Fast forward 10 minutes if you do not want to hear spoilers for Burial at Sea. Okay.
1: So, um, I, I actually, I wish that they had put part one and part two together. I think it would have been a more satisfying experience with that arc. The split that they make, uh, doesn't feel artificial. Like it, it
2: makes sense, but Mm -hmm. I think that it's it's completely separate gameplay. Right. It's a completely separate, and not only is it separate characters, it's separate gameplay, right? You go from traditional Bioshock to like stealth stuff. Um, um, it's a big it's a big story moment when it breaks. Yeah. So but it doesn't one does not feel like a fulfilling piece of content on its own. Correct. In retrospect.
1: And and I think that two would have felt more fulfilling if it were a little longer. Just because it's telling such a good story. You're kidding. To,
2: if if how long did it take you to beat episode two? Few hours. I my play clock is like six hours. Really? Yeah, a long time. Okay, maybe it did take May- longer.
1: No, you're right, because I spent a long time on the first day. Okay, so, but I still think that it would have had the momentum of one going directly into two, which would have made two feel a little more connected. Like,
2: mm-hmm. I, th- I I agree that it plays better as a single experience because a lot of the story set up in one, like, you need to remember that shit right. going into two.
1: I like that uh, it begins with previously
2: on Bioshock. Like mm-hmm. yeah, not f- not previously on Bioshock Infinite, nope. not previously on Episode One, previously, previously on, on BioShock. Bioshock. Yeah,
1: so in uh, Episode Two, or Part Two, you play as Elizabeth, and like Elizabeth doesn't know how to use, or she doesn't use guns really. She doesn't know how to use the Skyhook thing. Or there's some like story justification for why she doesn't use it. So she uses it. You can use it though. But but yeah, so you don't use it to like mangle people. It's not like oh, a melee
2: weapon in the same way. No, you're right. But you can like hook and like fly around and yeah, stuff.
1: And the three parts that have
2: hooks. Uh um, there's a, oh, there's a lot of parts that have hooks. I remember like they th- don't, three rooms. They don't make a big deal of it, no. but there's quite a few rooms like to do stealth stuff. Yeah. Like pretty early on, you can like um hook up and stuff. Yeah. Even when you're still in uh wherever.
1: But the whole point of Rapture. It, the the as Jay said, the gameplay is, you know, you are sneaking around and you need to hit people from behind, like melee them from behind to knock them out. And there's like no other real way
2: to take care of bad guys. Like even guns don't do a whole lot of damage. Shotguns work really well. Like the the pistol doesn't work. Okay. And you have the tranquilizer darts, which work really well. Oh, that's right. Yes. So you can do both. Like you can tranquilizer people. Um, if you get into a jam, you've got a shotgun shot with I shot was super powerful. Your ammo is a little limited, but you can like those will take people down in like one or two hits if you get a good yeah. shot.
1: But the trank darts, you you only have like three of them at a time, and they're pretty pretty limited. So, um, I got to a point in the game where it was right before I have to go to like Su Chong's lab, which he had taken over like the diner or something. If you remember, yes, and you're supposed to go in there. You like sneak in the back way, but I had gone down an- into another room. And so the area that I got stuck on, if you recall, was just a place I wasn't supposed to be yet, but I had access to.
2: So I, the big like party room, yeah. where You like go up the stage, yeah. yeah.
1: So I set it to easy, and then I
2: believe that is optional. Well, that whole area.
1: Uh, yes, you eventually need to go back there to get like ride the elevator, but like that's later. right at the very end, yeah. Um, so set it back to easy. So. i I enjoy the stealth stuff because that's how i played bioshock the first like stand still Mm -hmm. go invisible and wrench people Uh, i thought i thought the plasmid was really cool once you get the plasmid where you can be invisible and if you're not moving it's not draining your eve yeah it
2: totally changes the game it's super easy yeah so let's back up so there is a new plasmid you get that helps you with these stealth mechanics you can kind of shoot it out which will show you the silhouettes of everybody Mm -hmm. in a a fair radius. You can hold it down and just become invisible. And you can actually like move around and being invisible. If you need to like sneak past stuff. And as you progress through the game, like that takes up less and less Eve to the point where it stops taking Eve, where you can do things like uh, be invisible, wait for like a group of people to come to you, wrench them, they're dead. Then just go invisible again and wait for them to forget you were there And repeat. Yeah, like you just can't get hit.
1: It's really weird because the way the AI is programmed, they like walk up to you and are staring at you, even though you're invisible. Yeah. (laughs) So it doesn't make you feel like you're invisible. Like it just seemed like a bad bit of programming because it looked really odd. Because they all just like congregate around you, which Mm -hmm. is probably because they're looking for something that would be there, but they just happen to be staring you right in the face.
2: Um, That was weird
1: didn't 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 love that effect but in general you know it was fun to do that and then that's that's the first half of the dlc the second half of the dlc like or the latter part of the dlc that you do there's no weapons anymore like they took it all away and it's just you walking around and looking at stuff like when you're going through the labs right so the point of this is that elizabeth wants to get the girl sally back and to do so she is taking orders from Atlas who wants to get something from her, which we don't really know what it is, but he's trying to like find something. So she's like, all right, number one, I'm going to, you know, raise the Fontaine department store from the bottom of the sea. And like, the, you can start your revolution. Um, uh, and then two, you're trying to find the ACE in the hole, which is, this seems to be this MacGuffin thing. You don't, you don't know what it is. They don't specify what it is on purpose. Right. Um, so the last half of it is like, you walking through environments, learning about uh, the imprinting on how you know the little sisters and the big daddies um, created the, like their relationship, their like the bond of the or whatever that protects each other. Um, then you start to like figure out you know mind control stuff that's going on. There's a lot of like things in the environment, like chalkboards with drawings from Bioshock and like the invention of the Vita Chamber and these kinds of things. Um,
2: yeah so because if you remember chronologically in rapture you are kind of right before bioshock one
1: yes in fact there's a part where you get captured and you get tortured and knocked out and you wake up what is supposed to be two weeks later and Mm -hmm. like you can see everything in the background has just gone to shit in those two weeks right exactly rapture because you've gotten there
2: right before the new year's eve in like 58 59 whenever that momentous occasion is yeah in the first bioshock um we got two and a half minutes, so if you wanna yeah. so, get to stuff,
1: so it turns out that the ace in the hole is Elizabeth is trying to find this thing for Atlas that was turns out to be the the, the code word or whatever that Su Chong had imprinted into right. Jack from the first Bow shocks head. There, that makes it whole
2: There's this whole story going on about like figuring out how to imprint stuff, and you could see that they've been looking at um, Columbia. A, a genetics, They've been looking at Columbia with the songbird stuff They've been working on it for the How to imprint the big daddies on the little sisters Which you like help them figure out How to do mm-hmm. um, At a certain point in the game But then yes the, the the key is this like Would you kindly bit you know Of imprinting that of course drives the entire story Of the first Bioshock
1: Yeah so you deliver the would you kindly message to Atlas and he's you know he says Like mm-hmm. all right we need to get that genetic freak On a plane and like get him yep. out here to uh, To start the events of the first game, which was really fucking tight, cool moment for people who it's like one that of,
2: story. It's one of those things where... Oh, we'll do a little summary, kind of an after-spoiler part, but this is... I think my my main takeaway is if you like the story of BioShock and BioShock Infinite, especially at the end of BioShock Infinite when they start to explore optional worlds or alternate worlds, this is non-optional DLC. Yeah. This is not something like Minerva's Den where you're like this is really good. Like you should if you want good BioShock stuff, you should play it. Like no, this is this is the like end of the story. This is this is the actual tying together of right. Not just thematic ties between, it's like Bioshock, yeah, and actual Bioshock plot Infinite. ties between like, these things. There are there is a part in the game where you are worried about running into Booker and Elizabeth from Bioshock Infinite. Like that is how nuts the game kind of oh, yeah. gets in terms of like tripping over itself.
1: I love I love the uh, the explanation there. It's like, what if we run into ourselves? Like, well we we didn't run into we, ourselves, we, we so we yeah. can't run into ourselves. Um, and it was just it was you know. It, was, it made me want to immediately jump back in and go play Bioshock again.
2: It's like the combination of the super meaningful, super clever story stuff, um, making meaningful use of all these characters again, combined with really fresh gameplay. Like it wasn't just, you know, the first one was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. This is Bioshock Infinite Combat in Rapture. That's kind of neat. Yeah. This is like, no, we're going to force you to play in this stealthy way and give you new plasmids and weapons mm-hmm. and stuff all right i think we are back in i think people now have caught up to us
1: yes we've got 33 seconds right but yeah we'll transition away from
2: We'll we'll transition away just to be a little um generous but i just want to say like for in the non-spoiler way uh the dlc is fantastic yeah and is like a really cool use of meaningful single-player dlc that i um in a similar way to the last of us i think um, but this this was kind of even more... It feels even more essential. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I I would say if, if you haven't played... Let's say we should hit our 10-minute mark. Oh, man! So, Jay, I have the Howler timer going, if you recall from MagFest. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. And it goes... Ooh. Yep. It didn't. It just dinged. I think you can change the Howling option. That's a bummer. So, yeah, right. if you haven't played any of the DLC... I recommend like part play mm-hmm. part one and part two, like back to back over the course of two days. Cause it would feel, feel nice and tight there. But um, part two is awesome. You should, as you said before the, the spoiler ended, if you like the plot of Bioshock and Bioshock infinite, you should play this game. Cause it is, it, is it ties it in, n- in a really nice way.
2: Not optional. Like I really feel like it's not yeah. optional in the way that every other, even the best of DLC has been.
1: Yeah. So that felt good. Yep. All right. Rolling on. We had some list responses from last time. If you recall, it was the five games, five games to play or to drink to or to play while drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, friend of the show, good friend of the show, Campbell responds. Uh, number one, civilization of your choice. He calls it fancy solo drinking.
2: <sighs> yeah, that's great. Great choice. Kind of the same vibe as like my Final Fantasy Tactics pick. Yeah you know like it's slow it's
1: methodical and then he says that if you choose you know whatever leader you want to use in civilization you can theme your drinking
2: to them I'm going to pound Bud Light Limes and play as America (laughs) (laughs) alright you want to read the next one next one is Age of Booty for those rum filled knights also makes it good multiplayer light combat stuff Uh, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 it's like Tetris Battle but
1: only better Yep, but yep. probably better, he says. He says
2: probably better. I agree that it is better. That's a great game. Space Team, uh, I can tell you from experience, this is an excellent game to play, very, very drunk. Which this is the second list in a
1: row he's put this on. Because it was on and the mobile yes, list as you well. You do
2: have to put it on every list because it's great.
1: Uh and the last known here, Bomberman, because everyone fucks up and dies.
2: I don't like I don't like Bomberman all that much. Really? Yeah.
1: Uh, I had really great memories of playing it on the ds with people um at uva
2: Mm -hmm. it's all right i just i just don't get i don't get why it has persisted and like continually been iterated
1: well we also got uh, responses from our good buddy stackhouse
2: yep uh he mentions any trauma center game (laughs) it's a of course he does. Which seems horrible.
1: <laughs> uh, number two, the free Intel Connect promotional game starring Captain America. Totally. Uh, Chris Evans and uh, Red Foo of LFM, LMFAO.
2: Uh, I think that game is only playable pretty drug. I love that game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's such a weird thing.
2: So weird. Yeah. Great free achievements, though. Uh, fish listening to radio? I have not played that game. I don't Ooh, know what that game hang is. On.
1: That's, I could i didn't even notice that there was garbage okay it's an xbox game fish listening to (laughs) radio. i don't know what this is but you need i don't know it's
2: like i'm I'm googling it's like a crayon drawn
1: yeah it's an xbox live indie game fish listening to radio okay note to self buy it for a dollar
2: uh connect party yeah totally connect party or uh double fine happy action theater
1: and lastly cart life
2: I don't know. Is that the fancy solo drinking one? I think
1: that's the, I'm really depressed, and I want oh, to be more Oh, Jesus.
2: Depressed. Jesus.
1: Uh, we also got some good responses. So, your love for Tomb Raider has been shared by a number of people, including Stackhouse, and good friend of the show, Cameron.
2: Yes, yeah. You saw that on Twitter. That's awesome. That game is so good. I maintain just one of the the best games ever made. Like, if if I was a developer on that game, and I could put that on my resume, I feel like I'd be set for life. Yeah. You'd be like, I can make this quality Super high quality game. Speaking of Twitter, we got some sweet tweets. Okay. Um.
1: So people responded with our uh, end of the show Twitter uh, yep. prompt. So front of the show, Loso says, "Hey Atlas Core Podcast, I tried to play put on my jacket correctly without falling down, but I was too drunk.
2: That's a tough game. That's a tough game, no matter what,
1: especially around your birthday. And mm-hmm. he also followed up by saying that that day, uh, March eighteenth, was the tenth anniversary of Katamari Damacy." Which could be a good drinking game.
2: Yeah, especially the music yeah. and stuff just kind of makes you feel good. Yeah. Uh, Campbell says, hey, Low Score Podcast, I tried to play Point Blank, but I was too drunk.
1: Yeah, I searched up. I searched Point Blank. Yep.
2: Um
1: a DS game? Okay. <laughs> or it's an older game that I guess they maybe
2: remade for DS. I don't know what it is. Um, but I think the better response is "Hey Low Score Podcast." I tried playing Battle Toads, but I was too drunk, so I just listened to this. And then he sends a link to the Battle Toads pause music, which is so good. Are you listening to the music right now? Oh,
1: you can't hear this. No, I oh, can't yeah. hear it at all. It's uh, it's coming through on my end. Uh, Sorry. Okay.
2: That song is great, great. You should listen <laughs> to it. I didn't realize that it was not wired through. Yep. Hey, here's something else that sounds great.
0: I like it. I want it. Hey,
1: baddies! Hey, how about that?
0: <laughs> it's like
1: you you got me. This is run over soul. I'm doing the
0: claptrap. Ninja kicking zombies for the thrills. Chicks and shorties up in my grill, but the alive kind.
1: Jay, there's so much Borderlands news this week.
2: Oh my God, I feel like we're overwhelmed. We didn't have it on the list, but Borderlands Two Vita is coming out really soon. Oh, that's right. Uh, it, we're talking about that, but it's like imminent.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, May 12th. I want to say the bundle, and then May
2: 15th the game. I boy, do, I hope it comes PS Plus because I don't want to buy it again. Yeah, uh, and I won't ever play all that much of it. I might. I don't know. I'm curious. That's stupid. All right. I'm playing
1: Persona 3 Portable. What do you expect?
2: God, no. Um, well, you have so a lot yeah, of life choices that are that's right confusing. around the
1: corner. We're getting new DLC, the last of the, um, what do they call it?
2: What's the short DLC called?
1: Headhunter? Headhunter packs, yeah.
2: So three. These are th- three bucks. They've put out five of them. We've only played one. We played the... the T.K. Baja's Bloody Harvest. Okay, yeah, we played the Halloween-themed one. So The Halloween one. Then there's like... Uh, Christmas,
1: Valentine's Day. Yeah. Something else.
2: I don't know. Is it Thanksgiving? There's, I don't know. There's another Hammer, Hammerlock one. Okay. I don't know. But they, they seem great.
1: Yeah, but, Um. so the next one that's coming out is, uh, oh. hey, where'd my tab go? Uh, Sir Hammerlock versus the Son of Cromorax, who you recall was the big, gigantic monster at the end of the secret army of General Knox in the first yep. Borderlands DLCs.
2: That comes out Tuesday,
1: Tuesday. April 15th. Um, and then, in super big announcements, we are not getting a Borderlands 3, we're getting a Borderlands the pre-sequel.
2: It is a sequel to Borderlands and a prequel to Borderlands Two. Uh, I, I don't know how I feel about this. Here's here's the details. T- tell me your reserve. Oh yeah, tell me the details, and we'll talk about your reservations. Okay, Borderlands the pre-sequel is a full fledged Borderlands game, standalone game coming to um, Xbox 360, PS3, and Windows. Um, it will tell kind of the rise of Handsome Jack. You'll be playing four new playable characters, but not new characters to the Borderlands universe. Yes, they all... Um, and it seems more or less like more Borderlands in terms of gameplay. Mm-hmm. It, I assume it'll be quite long. You'll... You know, four characters, each with different abilities, different trees, stuff, blah, blah, blah.
1: So... Four classes... Well, the four classes are... Well, oh, yeah. we don't know the classes, but we know the characters. So you play as Athena, mm-hmm. who is like a ninja. Um... There is Wilhelm, who is a like engineer robot that you fight with the bosses in Borderlands Two. Right. Um. There was they said like the sheriff of Lynchwood. Nisha. Yeah, uh, I don't remember who that who she is. Yeah. And then claptrap. Yeah,
2: like the claptrap, like claptrap number one. He's established in Borderlands Two as the only claptrap left, right? Yeah. So you'll play as him. So that's kind of fun. You could play as a Claptrap, which I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like that kind of breaks the Claptrap mystique. Not that there's much mystique, but
1: I think the Claptrap mystique was broken during the Claptrap DLC. So,
2: so let's get into why I'm, um, I have a lot of reservations about this. Okay. So as we've discussed, the story for Borderlands 2 was god awful. It's bad. Okay. Straight up. It's bad. Straight up bad. Fun game to play. Um, there were some great side missions in there and some great humor, but the, the main storyline was terrible. Uh, I think Handsome Jack is stupid. I think he's a stupid character who they only do stupid things with. (laughs) So, centering a game's. So, like, I didn't really get why I should care about him in the first place. And then, like, every story beat was just like, oh, you're stupid. You're not funny. And all of the story beats are overwrought and horrible. So, a game based, centered around learning more about him, I could not care less. I'm like, it is confirming my, like, oh, Gearbox, do you understand why Borderlands is good? Maybe you don't.
1: Okay. Counter the It it wasn't Handsome Jack that made Borderlands too bad. Handsome Jack was just evidence of the problem, right? So, like, Handsome Jack, the voice actor, did a good job, but, like, the writing was okay. It's just the fact that they tried to shoehorn a serious story into that and used him as the conduit for that story. I think you're right. If they can just just use the same voice actor and, and, you know, use it as a a loose premise... I think it'd be totally fine.
2: I think that I hope I'm proven wrong. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right in that the real problem with Borderlands 2 is that the main storyline took itself seriously. Yeah. And anytime, and we saw this a little bit in Borderlands 1, anytime Borderlands tries to take itself seriously, it completely fails. So, Handsome Jack was a focal point in that bigger tone problem. Mm-hmm. But the problem was that's the only way I know handsome jack that's fair so it is not impossible to make some like goofy you know the kind of story stuff i like in like the side missions and stuff and make that workable but right now there's literally no redeeming qualities in him so we're starting like it would have been better to start with a new character or some new new plot line because i'm coming in with negative connotations when i should come in with no connotations, but that's kind of beside the point because, as bad as the Borderlands Two storyline was, it didn't really impact the gameplay at all.
1: Right, okay? and and the DLC since then has been great,
2: fantastic. Two thumbs up. Uh, I think it's total garbage that it's on the old consoles. Total garbage. I would have expected it to be on both old and new consoles. I would. you would, would you, would surprised you rather to
1: play see. a crappy version on the new console? Like the the new console was not going to be as good. Like it would have. Having well, to do minute. having to do a three or PS3 and PS4 would have dragged down the quality of the PS4 version.
2: Well, uh, I don't I don't know if I agree with that. I think that it certainly would not have looked as good as a game dedicated to the PS4. That's inarguable, right? Like when you just see games like up-res a little bit. Sure, but I don't, but I don't know if it would have been like crappy.
1: It seems to me that in this case, un- unlike whereas Titanfall was developed with the xbox one in mind and then they made a 360 version they're basically using like they want to take advantage of all the tech that they've already put in place to make all this other borderlands stuff and otherwise you're going to get a a version that would be like way further down the road right like you may get borderlands 4 will be on xbox one and ps4 when it comes out but this is something that helps them put out something much more quickly because they're already using the same tools and assets and everything that they already have in place. And so they would have... It either would have been, oh, we have to develop for new things. It's going to take a couple years and then we're going to port it back to the old consoles or we're just going to develop for the old consoles. Which, by the way, you already have. They're out.
2: But but I don't want to keep paying for Xbox Live. There's the rub. So here's the problem. I don't want to play it on PS3 because the PS3 is a garbage console that sucks. And I don't really want to play it on xbox 360 because now i've got to pay for because i want to play it online yeah okay and i i I, i'm trying to switch my infrastructure so that is a big problem um this is also not being made by gearbox this is um being made by 2k australia which doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad but there's kind of a bad history in at least this last generation of video games as these like also ran sequels like the late generation god of war game or gears of war games Mm. Or like Halo games being like, ah, let's just, we're not ready for the full-fledged sequel, but we need to make some money. So let's put out this like halfway sequel. Yeah, That's a little discouraging. That's complete supposition, of course, but the track record for that kind of tone. I'd kind of forgotten that that happened.
1: Yeah. The the end of the life, one last effort. Um, You know, I hope they are still working on Border Worlds which is what I will forever
2: call borderlands Uh, there. There will be a current generation borderlands game, but they have said they are not working on it, which, you know, not that I take them face value, but I think that communication is like, don't expect one soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whether they're working on it or not. So,
1: you know, I don't know who made all the DLC. So 2k Australia could have been working on a bunch of the DLC and be really familiar with this. Sure. Uh, yeah, I can understand your reservations i'm still stupid excited i don't know i uh or let me let me rephrase that i'm still
2: stupid (laughs) okay i'll i'll probably get and play this i guess man i'm
1: i am bummed though that you're right i didn't think about having to pay for xbox live gold to play it yep maybe we play it on the pc maybe i get a pc (laughs)
2: I don't know if I can play on PC. But see, that really pissed me off. If they're going to do it on PC, because that's exactly what you're talking about when you mean like the crappy PS4 port, Mm -hmm. right? Like, this game is made for old consoles, and they'll just like up-res it and stick it out on Windows. I would be completely fine with them up-resing it and slapping it on PS4, Xbox One. Mm -hmm. Just give me like the good PC version. Totally fine. That's fine with me. Because I understand like, let's reuse old assets and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. Um, all
1: right, that's your Borderlands news. This is amazing.
2: Okay. S- Hey, it's news. It's news music. It is, it is music.
1: news We haven't done news in a long time, but I wanted to actually talk about something this week. So, Yeah. Uh, let's start with the, the, the second one first here. Okay. On the news. So older. This was uh, weeks ago at this point, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it, which was Facebook yeah. buying Oculus, and thus the Oculus Rift head-mounted display. I don't want to talk about the controversies. I don't want to talk about people who got mad at you know Oculus for selling out when they put their kickstarter money in there to fund them and then got nothing in return. Don't talk about any of that stuff. Okay? I want to say that I still think that the Oculus and other like and the Sony Project Morpheus or whatever are always going to be like side projects. 100%
2: agree. Like I do not I I feel like I'm a little disappointed in Gamespress for putting on blinders because it's cool and new. And not actually thinking about the realities of right. it. right?
1: And it's not just like, even even if they can technically implement these games and make it so mm-hmm. that I don't feel sick when I'm playing it because they fix you know, all the latency problems. Even if that all happens, it is still just a very strange way to play games and a strange environment to play games in, you know, with, with the way that people actually play their games um, it has its advantages for certain things where you want to feel, like, immersed and cut out the world around you, and I can understand that. But, you know, the, the way people play games where you check your phone during a pause screen, and you, you know, pause, and you have to, like, you have, like, a certain setup with a comfortable way of playing, and an apparatus that you use used in playing in your or, living room scenario, like...
2: Or even just, like, someone comes up to you, like, asks you a question, like, hey, do you want to, like, hey, do you want right? to meet these people for dinner? And you're like, oh, hold on. Yeah. I'm like, I got to take this off and figure out what's, what I'm doing. Like, that's a big jolt. Yeah, I just don't, that's I a little don't weird. think
1: that this is going to change the way that games are made. So, it's, you know, it is big news because a lot of money was spent on this thing. I just don't, I don't see why people are so excited about it. Like, I don't know I don't right. know what they're looking for. I don't know what they want.
2: Uh, and I'm sorry, obviously, like, Sony announced Morpheus, um, which means they're... They're thinking about it as a meaningful accessory. Um, That's also something that puts into stark relief something nobody talks about on the Oculus is that the Oculus is not a video game console. The Oculus is an accessory for a PC. The Oculus doesn't do anything by itself. Right. Right? Right. So It's a a display. (laughs) It's a display, just like Sony's thing. But So now you have to have a gaming PC to buy the damn thing, which is significantly limiting your user base already.
1: And, and, you know, that's what... Sony's trying to do Which is to say Alright Everyone will have This standard hardware Of a Playstation 4 And you hook this up To the Playstation 4 And you can ge- Like generally get The same experience For everybody Which I, think, I think That's got a chance You know if they can Put some meaningful Games behind it And get people to buy it Um But It's ex- you know it's expensive It's, it's going to mm-hmm. remain Expensive And it's going to remain uh, You know What are Kits to- selling at Like 300 bucks I can't remember Okay I've gotten them all for free <laughs> Right Right <laughs> Um so yeah, like there there are cool things about it, and we've used one in our uh, at Georgia Tech to play or work on some games. One of our groups in the game studio project studio that we're doing is working on a game where you play. It's like a, a two screen game where one person has an iPad and the other person has the Oculus, and so the person on the iPad is trying to help the person on the Oculus like move around a facility, infiltrate a facility. Like, and it's cool. Like, there are certainly like, gameplay types that that work for that. And
2: and there's non gaming like implementations right. of it. You know, just being able to explore like inside a body or a I'm, star field or something. i like-
1: remember there was some phrase that somebody used that really bothered me, which was um, th- like they, they wanted, they called the Oculus like a platform or something like that. Basically, they were saying like trying to say that the Oculus itself was, oh, no, Oculus as like a communications tool. Like as if as if the Oculus Rift was a cell phone or the Oculus Rift was like a television signal. Like they mistook the apparatus that projects everything into like the little glasses in front of your face for the idea that like the the whole thing itself was some sort of like new communication platform. Like no, it's like a, it's a new mm-hmm. way of seeing. Yeah, seeing, seeing displays like seeing, right. seeing a screen. Right, it's just a screen. Um. So yeah,
2: it's a, it's a I, consumption I mean- device. I'm. I'm. I think it's super cool that people are playing with this and exploring it, but it seems like the first stage of a long stage of iteration, mm-hmm. where like things will be projected on like normal glasses or something, right. as opposed to like we're here, man. This is it. Yeah. Like as as soon as we fix these couple problems, it's everybody's gonna buy in. I'm like, I don't know. It's it still seems a little too odd. Oh, speaking and niche. Speaking of
1: how fun was the like volleyball game or whatever it was in jazz punk that you play on the virtual boy.
2: Oh, so good. I went back and played a couple rounds of that. Yeah, it's great. It's like, this is the best virtual boy game I've ever played. (laughs) All right. Speaking of
1: other things that are not going to change the world, Amazon announced their fire TV, which is their little streaming box, kind of like a Roku or an Apple TV. And
2: I would say exactly like a Roku or an Apple TV.
1: And they have a controller for it so that you can play Android games using it
2: right it's it is it's android based which i guess is different than the others which would be proprietary okay. os's so you can side you not only do they have their own dedicated marketplace like the kindle fire you can also just sideload any android game or whatever in there
1: yeah assuming assuming you have the apk i'm I'm, APK. Conf-
2: I'm i'm really confused about the marketing for this thing so it it it's a hundred bucks it does not come with a con with a controller is no, 40 dollars you can pay $40 for a controller. It'll also support the 360 wired controller or other controllers, theoretically, just like an Android device would. Mm-hmm. Um, they've made a big stink about getting all these fairly well-known game developers into Amazon Game Studios, which was founded prior to this. They've put one game out, which is a, a really horrible-looking um, first-person shooter. I don't even remember the name. Not a, um, it, lo- it
1: looks like Anomaly Warzone, but I can't right. remember. It looks It's the basically the Mass Effect... Mm -hmm. yes it's the only
2: game that's been made for it and then you can play you know cell phone games on your tv i i'm a little confused because it seems like hey we're making like to me it seems like hey we're making this streaming device but to make it we had to make this like low power computer we might as well let you play games on Mm -hmm. it in the same way that roku's like we put angry birds on this i don't know like that's not a selling point but why not yeah someone had asked
1: specifically why didn't they just take it so that the um the remote that you can use can be turned sideways and held like, you know, the Wii remote can be held sideways. That's exactly mm-hmm. what Roku did yes. four years ago or five years ago.
2: Exactly. And,
1: you know, um, the world was in a different place at that point And you could play like so that that had a gyroscope in it. So you could play Angry Birds, but you could also just play like an NES style game using their remote. Um, totally.
2: And it, and it never so, took off. So if it seems like that's the idea, I think that's fine. And, and it makes sense to me. But the they seem to be or is it the games press making a bigger deal of it as a gaming
1: console I, th- I think it's the confluence of things it is the fact that they founded amazon game studios they hired kim swift and clint hawking right and and then you know they they made this controller thing at the same time that uh sony and microsoft have their big consoles and steam is working on their big thing like yeah. there's a lot of hardware battles right now as to determine like what the future of this is all going to be and
2: I'm I'm going to say, though, that look, Amazon's not dumb and they've had successes with other devices that they're making. Right. And I think that their game initiative is one of two things. It's either a much, 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 much longer play, sure. whereas they iterate on this device and it becomes more powerful and they build up meaningful games in their own studio. Then then they've kind of side entered the market through this streaming device mm-hmm. or Amazon Game Studios is going to make. Um, Android games or PC games And if you want to play it on Amazon's Device you can but it's more like that is a Separate division over Here right I Because I don't believe that Amazon is A stupid company just based on Everything Amazon has ever (laughs) done To be doing okay if they're coming to Me and saying we've made A console or We've made a device that plays Great video games you're lying You're a liar so Mm. I I can't I I just don't trust the idea that this is a game console yeah I trust that this is a Roku competitor this is an Apple TV competitor that maybe several versions down the line will be a a semi-serious game console and
1: then the question which begs the question what are they doing with these two like you know relatively successful developers
2: right because they haven't done anything yet, even though they, neither, neither of those worked on that game that came out. Right. At least they're not advertising it. I hope not. Um, and that's why I'm like, is it a separate thing? Yeah. Is Kim Swift going to come out with some like indie game that's like PC? Like, here it is on Steam. It's also on Android. And it's maybe also on PSN and Xbox 360. But it's an Amazon Game Studios game. Yeah. That, that kind of makes more sense to me as opposed to like Nintendo. Like, we're just putting everything on our stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, do, I don't I don't get it at all. I just don't think that there is at the current moment that there's a place in the market for every if you can't release a piece of hardware where everyone is not going to dedicate like everything they have into producing a game for it. Like right. The reason all these tablets work is because you just you make the game once and generally it works on everything or it's like equally as broken on everything. Yeah. And right. You know, there there's a saturation such that the thousands and thousands of developers who are putting out games, like one of them may have a hit, and I don't mm-hmm. think I think it would be a bad idea to open up like a huge marketplace like that for a little box like this. You still, it is still beneficial to have some manner of selection going on as to what makes it to the store and what doesn't make it to the store, or else it all just looks kind of crappy.
2: Yep, absolutely. So,
1: yeah, I'm not sure. I. I I you know I don't see why I would buy, ever want to buy one of these.
2: No, but again, but it's it's the difference between being like oh like this this makes total sense they they already have this big time streaming service they want to compete in that space, but if as like a game console like I I think it's just insulting so I don't think that's what it You're is right. and I, I don't think we should treat it as like such. why did they
1: put why did they make that controller why did they make a controller that looks like a modern day controller.
2: And, and is bad? I you know I don't know. Um, but actually,
1: it looks a lot like the on live controller, which is strange.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Unless they they're just kind of experimenting with it to see how people react, or unless, I as know. someone
1: has said, you know, this just becomes a box for doing on live Gaikai style streaming.
2: Mm-hmm. That which, could also be the case.
1: You know, Amazon that would make sense because they are a company that has access to a lot of bandwidth.
2: They and they've <laughs> also built up their big streaming infrastructure. Right.
1: So. If anyone, if anyone has the, the pipes in place, it'd be Amazon. Yeah, indeed. All right, last bit of news, the important, most important news of the past week. Sprint Cup champion, twenty twelve champion, your Miller Lite number two Ford driver Brad Keselowski is going to be a character that you can interact with in Ubisoft's Watch Dogs. That's right. He says that he is a uh, character in the game that you get to meet, and you can uncover some of his secret backstory. Jay is taking off his headphones, and he grabbed his can. and I was leaving; he just he just left. Um, Kozlowski, in uh, described in the game, as one of the people in the, the city that you can interact with. Like I said, promises that the player will find out quote secrets lurk deep within a NASCAR champ's history," which I thought was uh, was interesting and important. Um, you know, I wonder I wonder what it was that put him into the situation where he got to work with, was was working with Ubisoft in this game. I don't, I was, where was he born? Was he born in, I was born in Michigan, um, which is, yeah, close to Chicago. I can't imagine how that came about. It doesn't actually, none of these stories even say, Jay's still not back. I think, I um, think, okay, lowscorepodcast.blogspot.com, lowscorepodcast.gmail.com, if you like the episode, you can tweet at us, say, hey, at Low Score Podcast." if I could interact with any NASCAR Sprint Cup driver in Watch Dogs, it would be blank.
2: Is that over? You done?
1: Yeah, episode's finished.
2: Are we done? Are we back? Are we actually doing this? No, the episode's done. done. I played the outro music. <laughs> Great. All right. So are we doing a list. Good morning, Captain. Well, good morning to you. Ah <laughs> <laughs> you ah another mule skinner the list ah ah new <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, this was your brainchild. Yes. What was the inspiration for this list? Because you texted um, me last night. And you said, "Hey, I got a list idea." Was there something that prompted it, or
2: so, um, in a weird roundabout way, I was playing a little bit of Infamous yesterday thinking about kind of the same things I said earlier about um, well-made. I, I wasn't really feeling it but, it. but it really holds up. It's not for a reason like it doesn't hold up. Okay. And then I got to thinking like, okay, Uncharted. Like, I didn't really um, feel super great about those games. And I wondered if it was because these things didn't hold up. And I was thinking of specific things about that that I didn't think held up. Like, the these guys are total bullet sponges. The controls are a little wonky. Like, the cover mechanic didn't work. Like, was that more excusable then and now? And didn't feel like I had the whole kind of narrative of that type of game to actually answer that question. So then I got to thinking, like, okay, we talk a lot about old games like, oh, man, Final Fantasy IV, that game really holds up. Or like, ah, you can't really go back to this game because it doesn't hold up. I'm like, what what are the characteristics of games that don't hold up anymore? So that's kind of where I came to. Like, five characteristics of old games that cause them to not hold up. Okay. I like it.
1: Um since you made it up, why don't you why don't you start?
2: Okay. So I think one of a lot of the reasons that old games, especially really old games don't hold up has to do with um general general concept of like difficulty and fairness that have, you know, a lot of more modern games are a lot more generous to the player or designed to be beaten in ways that old games yes. weren't. I think one of those key features is checkpoints. Checkpointing. Yeah. Checkpointing games now are much 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 more generous with their checkpointing so that if you die or fail or need to redo a part they've isolated each moment a lot more effectively so that if you are having problems on a specific part you have to replay four parts to get back to that part Mm -hmm. to attempt that part again Um, we still talk about it in terms of good and bad checkpointing but in the past games didn't really have checkpointing at all
1: yeah I was um, thinking about, as I was playing Black Flag, I continue to play Black Flag, one of the things in Black Flag is totally inconsequential whether you die, you just respawn, you're ready to go, like, it even will pick a better oh, spot yeah. for you to be in as it checkpoints you. Like, I tried to do a mission, and I died, and I was like, I don't understand how to do this, and it just, like, threw me in front of a bush, which is the bush I probably should have ended up in the first place, and I was like, ah, eh, now right. I just go from here, you're good to go. Um, right. And I'm trying to think of, oh, there was a game I was playing recently where I was manually saving. What was that? Mm. I was paying attention to manual saves. Oh, no, I was thinking about Skyrim. That's what I was thinking about. Yep. Like the fact that when you're out in the world, you just have to remember to save every once in a while. Otherwise, you you know get stuck and have to go back to uh, you know the last town that Heck. you were in or last time you like
2: changed to a loading screen. Halo did that too. You remember Halo? Halo would checkpoint you, but it wouldn't ever hard save. So you, if you quit, yes, it would take you go back chapter. Your... Yep. That exactly. Bullshit. Unless you hard save. Yeah. Yeah. All
1: right. cool. Good
2: answer. So checkpointing.
1: All right. So my first one here is there's a game that when I was a kid I, I really enjoyed, and then I look back at it and I think, man, my fondness for that game was like totally misplaced because it is like really broken, busted in a bunch of ways. And that would be, um, the Castlevania two, because nonlinear games without like objective maps and markers and directions of where to go are extraordinarily frustrating and not fun anymore.
2: I've got that. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll discuss it later, okay. but I think I've got a similar one. Cause this is the, this is, I think the biggest one, cause it, it bleeds through genres and types of games yeah. and all kinds of things. Just,
1: you know, walking around when I when I don't know where to go next, and I don't have like a little guide that helps me because you, you waste a lot of time walking around, and I don't have a lot of time to walk around in my life. And I found this <laughs> even with Burial at Sea, where there was there were, like there are parts you can go you know, branches that you can go down where you don't have to directly go. And then if I remember Bioshock Infinite, like you clicked in the stick and like pointed you where to go, right? Like
2: that same that same thing is in Burial at Sea. Really? What do you what, one, what do you one hundred have to do? You click in the left stick. I did. I think a,
1: tons of times, and I nothing showed maybe, up. I,
2: maybe it's a different button, but that maybe it's back. I forget, but that is a hundred percent, I use it all. Is the time. it really fucking yeah. a?
1: Yeah, I pressed the buttons. I was like, I don't know where this is. They must have taken it out. Right. Hmm.
2: Nope. Okay. Nope. So
1: that's in there. I hate. But, I hate video games. <laughs> oh fucking a! So remember, um, like two three weeks ago, I texted you a picture from assassin's creed black flag and there was an animus fragment above my head and i was standing on a chimney and i couldn't reach it yeah and i was like i don't know how to get this because you, you jump and you just jump off the chimney so i had looked up online and what you have to do is you have to hold the jump button then hold the trigger button and then tap the jump button again and you'll hop straight up it's the only time that you would ever need to do really? that in the game i thought
2: if, if you just tap jump without a direction you'll still jump off
1: yeah you'll just jump off
2: oh interesting yeah.
1: Um, so I looked up online there were a lot of people like, yeah, like you have to hold this like weird combination of buttons and that's super dumb, super dumb. And that's the only time I've encountered that in that game.
2: So I have the the same thing. Um, I just said waypoints and I was specifically thinking about this. So Castlevania two is a great example, you know, super Metroid or even Metroid would be good examples of just like, they don't ever tell you where to go. Mm -hmm. Um, Old RPGs are a good example. Like one of the best things, even I think you'll agree about this in um, uh, Bravely Default. When I'm on the world map, here's where the main mission is. Here's where all the side missions yep. are.
1: Big exclamation
2: Big exclamation go point. It's fantastic. Here. Some older games did this. Um, I think one of the best examples would be Link to the Past. Like here's where the, here's where the dungeon you need to go to is. Mm-hmm. Good luck figuring out how to get into it. But here's where it is. Yeah, at least you're not wasting time
1: walking around trying to figure that's out. That's something
2: that's something I think is really frustrating about a lot of old games. And I know some people in like old Final Fantasy games like that idea of I've got this part of this world open, I can explore and kind of go into caves and maybe I'm not supposed to be here yet and that's exciting. But I'm like, I always play this game strategy guide, not because I want to have my hand held, but I'm like, I don't want to waste time finding the puzzle. Totally. Especially I, I want to solve the puzzle myself. But I don't that's not a, that's not fun,
1: especially important in um, random encounter RPGs, Absolutely. walking around, not only is just walking around, but it's also doing battle after
2: battle. Exactly. And you may have to be like, I have to abort looking for the next place because I need to go back to the last place to heal up and then venture out again. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. I don't have no time for that. Yep. Yeah. good answer. All right.
1: Uh, there are still games that do this, and I think you actually just recently encountered one, but for the most part, it is gone. And that is cutscenes in which you can't
2: pause. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So, yep.
1: in, uh, I believe, in Metal Gear Solid 4, you cannot pause during cutscenes in typical Metal Gear fashion.
2: I, you know, I don't remember because I actually didn't have any time I needed to do right. that. I didn't, one, it's easy, so I didn't ever die. Right um At least, well, that's not true. But I didn't die in places where I would have to rewind a cutscene, mm-hmm. and I kind of played it in one big chunk, so I didn't have a lot of interruptions or anything. Yeah. But you know,
1: it would have but it still. would have saved me a lot of uh yep. arguments with my parents when I was a kid. I'd be like, "No, I can't stop! Like, I, I literally cannot stop what I'm doing right now because there's
2: no do, way." Do you know what's worse than unskippable cutscenes? Or, I'm sorry, uh, unpo- cutscenes where you can't pause, where the pause button skips the cutscene. Oh, yeah. Have you ever played that? Yes. And you're like, no, 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 no. Especially oh. especially
1: now, going back, you're like, fuck, damn it. Damn. I like it when it's pause, and then there's another button prompt to skip.
2: That's that's what one of the great things about last um, console generation is you could always just push that Xbox button. Some stuff still and plays. And it would like, f- uh, yes, older games, that's true, but it got pretty rare. Black
1: Flag, I... Um, Oh! I, p- I pressed the the guide button last night because I I went to like downstairs to do something and I came back and, it didn't and my ship had like just been like slowly moving along and had like traversed you know a quarter of the world and I was just like I'd smack into something. And oh then it man! Would and so I just sat there and I let you know I was doing something with my computer and I would just like let the game run and watched it <laughs> as man. to see like what would happen. Like I got into an encounter with the um, what are the like the big ships called? Like that are in the four corners.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. I
1: forget. I like sailed into that encounter and I saw them. Don't fight played But like, I guess I just kind of veered in another direction and I hit the edge of the map. It's kind of funny. That's awesome.
2: My third one. uh, This is explicit or uh, specifically for earlier open world games. Mm -hmm. No GPS. Oh, yeah. Like not no longer acceptable at all. I feel like with a couple tweaks, GTA Three and Vice City could could be playable. Well, like if they if they made the cover mechanic a little better, they added the GPS, it could be all right. G- they had a f- checkpointing too, yeah. so focus on a whole bunch
1: of these. Well, the thing about GTA, so GTA and Vice City aren't particularly big, so you know it shows That's you true. it shows you like the dot on the map where you need to go, and the map rotates, and it's yes. like kind of modern. But in a lot of these, I'm like, I don't want to spend any time thinking about how to get there. Which is what is appealing about Sansero 4 for me. Which is like, it doesn't even matter.
2: Sansaro 4, not only do they, What's if you're in a car, they like put the arrows like on the road. Yeah. Like here's where you turn. You're never in a fucking car. Because you just like jump real high and then glide to the waypoint yeah. and you're done. Nice. Takes two seconds.
1: Alright, here's my number three. Uh, RPG specific. I can't remember what I was playing recently. But RPGs where you can't manage your inventory while you're in a shop or like RPGs okay, that don't like, yes. show you. So like it says that you have zero. Oh, I was playing a game where it said I had zero of something as so I had zero in my inventory, but I had one of them equipped. Oh, it was persona three. It's like, I bought the same weapon again because it had taken it out of my inventory when I equipped it. Like I mm-hmm. want to just like be able to like hot swap everything from the same menu while I'm in the shop. Not have to, and, have to think right.
2: About. And no, I want to be able to compare it to all of my characters yep. with what they're wearing. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, (laughs) My next one uh, is um, health meters, and specifically health packs. So health, that is a number, is Halo showed us all the way. Yep. Regenerating health is the only health in every game. I was thinking about that exact same thing. Like, total nonsense. All right, I'm in Half Life, and I just got past this place, but now I'm stuck here with ten health, yep. and I'm just stuck. Maybe I've saved, maybe I got checkpointed, but I'm in a bit of a pickle.
1: And they tried to make some of that stuff smarter. You know, they put a bunch of health pickups in Halo or Half Life Two, like after a checkpoint, right? You, and you could like they meter it out a little bit better. But why uh, bother? Bless. Why just let it exactly? one hundred percent agree
2: yep I think that's a big one. that was a big turning point um, at a at a big like dividing line I think yeah, in games smart.
1: all right here's something I can't tolerate. Games in which you are supposed to be firing a gun, but whether it hits is based on dice rolls. So Mass effect one, alpha protocol huh. like if i mm. if I'm aiming at the thing, Aiming, like it's not like I'm just like standing and I like click the like shoot automatically button. If I'm doing the shooting, I want my my shooting to hit, and that's why Mass Effect Two was so great, is because when you shot at something, it actually counted.
2: The combat is way better in Mass Effect Two, yeah, inarguably. It's just
1: you know, and and even um like Fallout Three, yes, the VAT system makes it so that like it's not really a huge deal, but those you know if your bullet hits is still based on,
2: but it doesn't feel like shooting. It feels like pausing. Executing, pausing, right. executing. But you can because you,
1: sh- you can shoot in that game without. You could, but it was totally ineffective. Right. But there were times when you know, like your Vats meter hadn't filled back up, so you couldn't use it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's one That's of the true. great things. Uh, like one of the things I really loved about Skyrim, which was like, sword as stupid as it looks, sword hits the person, and I know that I've hit them, even though I just like chopped them with a broadsword, basically in and half. There,
2: and there's a dice roll around, behind that two but but in terms of amount of damage not like did it hit or not right right yeah
1: which is totally fair I can you know yeah I don't need everything to hit for the exact same amount it's just a question of if there's a graph if these graphics collided yes or no
2: the the last thing on my list is I, I know exactly what I mean and I wasn't sure how to phrase it so I put overly long levels or like fluff so the perfect example the best example is Halo 1 like those games, those levels should be half as long and they would be much tighter and more fun. Mm -hmm. Um, There seemed to be like a length requirement where you would have to like repeat the same thing and circle back and circle back to get to some arbitrary length. Um, I think the rare N64 games are also pretty bad about this in terms of like, you need to collect a whole bunch of items to get somewhere or we'll make you like loop through the same thing a bunch of times. Oh, oh, Uh,
1: rare as in the (sighs) developer, not like... Oh, difficult Not, like define. hard
2: difficult to find uh like jet force Gemini and i was really bad about that um banjo. dk64 was way too long banjo certainly um were examples of this but uh as the short game has become more acceptable i think that games that didn't follow that become a lot harder to get through um so that would be one as opposed to you know well let's say your last one and then we can you know i, I stayed away from some of the obvious ones um, and but once you finish up your list, then we can circle back.
1: All right, cannot tolerate any longer. Have no reason to play a racing game that does not have rewind.
2: Yep. Okay. Thought about this yeah. too because it's it's fairly recent, but key.
1: Yeah, you know we've we've talked about the, the the great the great innovation. Well, I mean they weren't the first to do it, but the thing that Forza Three executed on so well was I don't know I don't know if they're the first or not, n- but I don't know.
2: They're, They're not. Who did it first?
1: Um, Who heard it? It earlier, at least I know. Dirt did it. I think. Ah. I think the first dirt came out before uh, Forza, Forza three. Forza three. I think you're but, right. That's but cool. the thing about it was like it just like jumped you back artificially to a point. So you didn't get like oh. get to see where you were winding to. So it was like, all right, you fucked up. But like, we'll throw you back somewhere. But it's up to you to figure out like where in the race you are at that point. So,
2: so the specific implementation in three where you can just go back, back, yeah, back. Yeah, like
1: the act- like rewinding as cool. opposed to flashing back.
2: So uh, great. So you know,
1: there's something to be said about trying to do you know drive perfectly, but it's not
2: <laughs> fun. <laughs> there is it's not fun, right? It's not fun, and you still have to execute on it, and you can't go back to the beginning of the race right. like. You know, it's never going to, like, put you all the way back in first or something. Yeah. It's just it's really for those, like, horrible crashes. Yeah. Yep. I made a stupid mistake. I made a stupid Not mistake. Not like,
1: oh, I'm in second now. I want to be in first. Yeah. All right. So, what what are some other things that were on your list that didn't make the well, list?
2: I stayed away from, like, things like just overall punishing difficulty or of, you know, Nintendo games, when you bought, like, Castlevania, you didn't ever expect to beat it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, it's completely unacceptable now. Like, I feel like I should be able to beat any game on the normal difficulty, okay? Um, unfair things, again, going back to Castlevania, like, hey, when you're on those stairs, you're just totally vulnerable, and, like, some random Medusa head could just hit you, whoops, that's game design. That would be total (laughs) bullshit nowadays. Um, uh, graphics, uh, which... Graphics. Games have to have graphics. Well, uh, like, poor graphics. I'm thinking specifically of early PlayStation games, like, um... A lot of those games are are pretty simple, but even going back to something like Final Fantasy seven, look at those sprites, you're like, Oh boy and it's it's funny these are dated in a these are dated in a really specific way that even like n e s games aren't mm-hmm. that just look ugly
1: yeah there there's um I think about some of the early like C- computer type stuff before PC. So think about the Commodore, uh, the, well, more like the Amiga and the Amstrad. And you look at those games and they're trying to do some really crazy things with graphics. Like they're trying to make these like 3D looking model sprites that scale and you're like, wow, that's really like, I'm impressed that there was a time when people were trying to figure out this problem. I'm glad that I did not have to play the games at that time. And that by being a little later in what I'm, you know, the types of games that I was playing and my access to better hardware that, you know, some of those hurdles had been, had been overcome. Totally.
2: Totally. But those, those are just kind of some of the, the really big things I thought for like older games. All right. That's an episode. That's a podcast. Um, yeah, you
1: yeah, send us your the lists at lowscorepodcast at gmail.com remember to share our feed lowscorepodcast.blogspot.com. you can you can answer the question to my twitter question earlier before in the first closing of the show or, oh
2: man i was i was gonna ask a nascar question or jay uh yeah you could tweet at lowscorepodcast. uh my driver is blank